Well, well, well. Here we go. Episode 112. It's a late night recording for Mitch, Scott, and Steve. Every time I walk in after a Seahawks game, it's like the same face. <laughs> I like, I shake my head. I, my eyes get big. Oh, like, what the God. heck was that? You know, for, for 99% of the game, all I could think of was the curse of Dory Monson. The Seahawks are doomed. <laughs> they can't win a game when he's not on That's the pregame right. show. That's all I could think of. <laughs> oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah, I had some, some ballet tweets. The Did ballet, you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm with them. You know how I love message boards? Like, I go on another T. I yeah. loved it. Did you do all that? Well, I haven't yet, but the one constant that fans have been yeah. saying about the Seahawks from around the country since Russell got here, yeah. the luckiest team on the, every time. They think the, they're lucky. They think the Seahawks are the luckiest team that. ever. Why? Well, I mean, you could go back. You know, oh, the, like onside kicks and big plays at the end. Yeah. The, what about tip, the tip the, balls in the end? The fail zone. Mary was on national the team. Fail Mary. Yeah, it goes yeah. on and I on. I got it. I the got giant, it. you know, all kinds of stuff. So this really doesn't help the Seahawks. Really? This Do you is, think it looked like luck on Sunday night against the uh, the Vikings? Uh, was that 94, 96 yard yeah. drive? Was it 96 or 94? 94. 94 yard drive. 94 yard drive. Was that lucky? Mike Zimmer not going for it. Was that lucky? I, for the Seahawks, it sure was, I think. Well, Mike Zimmer did go for it. Uh, sorry, I meant, yeah, Mike didn't Zimmer go go, for the field didn't goal. go for the field goal. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think the Seahawks were lucky. I've watched every one of Russell Wilson's game. I don't know. I've seen every game he's played, but the rest of the NFL fans think the Seahawks Seemed are just lucky. Seemed to me like the Seahawks scored twice in that last drive. Yeah. They didn't just score one touchdown. They scored two touchdowns. Russell Wilson didn't have to engineer a 94-yard a drive for one touchdown. He had to do it for two touchdowns because his receiver was going to drop the first one. Right. So he had to do it all over again. Yeah. And what would we be saying? I always play this game in my mind. I used to play it in my mind when I did the radio show. If what? Let's say we change the outcome of one play. Okay. In the entire game, everything is exactly the same except for one play. And the one play I'm going to change is the last play of the game. Okay. The last offensive play, not the last, not the Vikings right, right. offense. The Seahawks fourth down and goal play. Let's say he throws the ball high or he has no receivers or he gets sacked. Gotcha. And they do not score there. And they lose the game. Okay. One play. Yeah. Tell me what this show, what other radio shows would be like on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, what would be the conversation like and how different would it be? Ugh. Are we going down that path on this show? We have to make a determination. Are we going down the path of what we would have talked about if one play were different? We would be talking about a DK Metcalf drop yep. for the second consecutive week. Everybody, you know, rallied to his defense when the when the safety popped him in Miami last week and he dropped it. And I said, hey, he's got to catch that ball. People got all over me. Yeah. They'll probably would have defended him on that. I mean, he got popped a little bit, I guess, on the play that he dropped the ball for the for the touchdown. Yeah. But they'd be talking about the DK Metcalf drop. But we would really be talking about what? Russell Wilson not having a good game. Really? I mean, That's what it would be? I think so. I mean, he was, I think it would be more about the defense. Well, yeah, of course. That, not being, a, not being <laughs> able to stop anybody. We, yeah. we would be talking about Quandre Diggs. We would be asking, I would be asking the question whether Bobby Wagner is still Bobby Wagner or is he something less than he used to be? We'd yeah. be asking questions about Shaq Griffin. Is he worth 
Is he worth the big money contract that he's going to ask for? Do you want to sign him to a contract that's going to place him in the top, let's say, five paid cornerbacks in the NFL? We would be asking a lot of questions if one result (laughs) were different, one (laughs) play were different. Now, that play isn't. Russell Wilson makes the play. He throws the ball in there. DK Metcalf makes the catch. How how much of the other stuff, the negative stuff, do you want to tackle in segment number one? Do you want me to tackle with Brady Henderson when he uh, when he phones in from CenturyLink Field? Yeah, I don't. Or think- do we ignore it? We say, hey, they're five and zero. Oh. They're going to the bye week. Yeah, they're going to get healthy. We're not supposed to be starting the T segment with all this. This <laughs> no. was supposed to be. You took me right there. I, know. I haven't even gotten out of my mouth. The, <laughs> the, the name the, of the podcast. The ascent, this is Mitch Unfiltered. <laughs> yeah. It's episode 112. I haven't told anybody to subscribe. Now everybody's going to unsubscribe because I haven't told them <laughs> to subscribe. That's true. I haven't told everybody that it's on all major platforms and you can find Mitch Unfiltered just about everywhere. I've not told anybody about becoming a patron and how we have five new shows just this week alone. Five new shows. Right. Short podcasts available, including your. I was going to say debut. What do we call? What do we call what you did over yeah. the? I think it's for my, the my debut for extra Patreon episodes. I think it's your solo. Solo, yeah. Your solo show. Yeah, I'm like David Lee Roth leaving Van That's Halen right. for and going. You went off California on your girls. own, and I listened to the interview. And it was fantastic. Oh, really? Thank yeah. you. Yeah, oh, I nice. wasn't. I wasn't particularly interested in the topic as much as I was interested in you doing the interview, the yeah. production values, what it was going to oh, sound like. You. But uh, I don't know, maybe that's a put down. But I, I mean, I, I, not that I no, no, disrespect I, Eddie Van Halen. I'm just not a huge yeah. Eddie Van Halen. But I, I, listen, I listened to your, your first foray into Life Without Mitch. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, didn't, I really didn't think you would listen. Really? I, thought, I thought maybe you'd listen to the beginning to make sure that the voice guy got in there and then the end to see if the voice no. guy got in there. In fact, I was particularly, and I tell every, I mean, I'm, I'm, this, is, this is me doing what I should never do, which is assume that everybody knows what we're talking about. Yeah. So we do the patron, you can, for $5 a month, you become a patron, and then we do extra bonus content, the one full show, which is the peace show. I think everybody knows about that, even the non-patrons. And then we do other stuff during the course of the week. I do the Seahawks No Table, which I love, I love doing with Joe and Brady. I do the Fantasy Football. Football show with these are all smaller podcasts, and you did. I do a play better golf with Rick Fair. Yep. I'm giving everybody fifty percent, all the patrons fifty percent off of Seahawks gear, including hats that you asked That's for. Right. That I've been asking Jay, did you get an order from Scott? Did you get an order? You know, he, he squeaked will. the wheel, squeaked, <laughs> no. and now that you've greased the wheel, I don't see any any uh, purchases for hats over there in the soda now. Well, my buddy at real time. Texted me tonight and said we're all wearing our gear in the Wood household. That was fifty percent <laughs> off. So thank you for that. Well, so why are we talking about the Wood household? I'm talking about the Sony. Well, I know, but I'm I'm I brought him to this world and he's taking advantage. And I'm I'm gonna buy my stuff. Don't you worry. I'm gonna buy it. But if, I don't care. I mean, you you can, I don't get anything from it. I know, but I got to get my wife's I get order. I the benefit and of, of 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 helping the patrons out. Yes. So so we do all these other bonus shows, and you you called me and you said. Or talk to me the last time we were together. You said, what, do, what would you think if, if you did an interview, you followed up the Eddie Van Halen death with an interview, a kind of a retrospective of his life with somebody who knows the craft, right? Yep. Yeah, to me, he was more than just a 45-second 
eulogy R.I.P. Yeah, you know, at the end of the show where yeah. I give a few facts. I, I don't know. To me, he's like Larry Bird or Magic. Only in the because music he world. married Valerie Bertinelli. That's the only reason. Yes. And we did the R.I.P. on the P show, right? Yes. And then you turned around and interviewed who for the patron show? I interviewed a guy named Jay Boone. He owns Emerald City Guitar in Seattle. He's been in the music business for 40 years. He, he knows everybody. He's been in bands. His sons are in bands. He's he's just been selling guitars to people for 40 years. Like, for instance, you know Slash? You heard of that guy? Yeah. For he's Guns in and Guns Roses. And Roses. Yeah. yeah, he's a Sonics fan, right? Yeah, so Slash, uh, I don't know if he is, but he had... Thin guy, really thin. Well, most musicians are, are <laughs> usually thin? pretty thin. Okay, I But didn't for know instance, that. Slash had eight Gibson guitars that, that they made him, and he wanted to sell them, so he called Jay, for instance. Oh, really? Yeah, so, so this guy's really connected. He's pretty he connected. Knows, he knows the music scene. Well, he knows the guitar scene. He does, he, and he's a great player himself. So you guys were talking about Eddie Van Halen, and it, it came up to something that sports fans love, which is rankings. We like to rank everything, Yeah, right? yeah. Lists. Oh, love God, got to have lists. got to have lists. Ask Jeff Aaron about the lists. <laughs> he loves it. about yeah, the dancer. That's right. <laughs> oh, God. You almost got punched in the nose for that one. Oh, my God. If he, if he would have remained in the studio and not run away from the stripper. <laughs> right. Male stripper. Um he, he started to talk about the Mount Rushmore. Do you remember you guys got to the Mount Rushmore of guitarists? Yeah. And he mentioned three or four names. I think I had heard of one or two of them. But I was expecting, fully expecting, that he would say Jimi Hendrix would be in the Mount. But he didn't include him hmm. in the Mount Rushmore. And then he turned around and mentioned him a little bit later on in a different context. I was curious how Jimi Hendrix wouldn't be on everybody's Mount Rushmore. I don't know anything about guitar. I, he is. I play the piano. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix is on everyone's list, so that was just a mistake, or he was maybe no, but just... He, but then he... I thought maybe he had forgotten about him, but then he turned around in the next breath, and he talked about him in a different way. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Jimmy, Eddie, he, he threw in Les Paul, who you have... You probably have no idea who Les Paul is. Yes, was. I remember. Uh, he, like a jazz guy, Les Paul? No. Well, he... How about B.B. King? B.B. King was... Like, I would think of B.B. King as a great guitarist. But no? again, th this is part of the discussion. How do you even... How do you rate these guys? They're all good, right? Oh, yeah. You I mean, just pick any of them. They're great. Yeah, so, yeah. anyway, I love doing it, and hopefully Eric I can Clapton. do another one. He, he mentioned Clapton, and Jeff okay. Beck, and Jimmy Page. See, I don't and, know. I know Jimmy Page. I don't know who Jeff Beck is. Yeah, he, all those guys are... They yeah. kind of came, came up together. Jeff Beck, I think, was a quarterback at a BYU, played for the Dolphins. <laughs> That's exactly half a, right. Half a, anyway, very good. Very oh, thank interesting. You. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for adding it for the patrons and those that like it. Van Halen. The point being that we have this Patreon thing, $5 a month, and we throw a lot of extra short content, fun content, instructional, interesting, full shows. We do the full show, the full piece show on Thursdays, and you've got that, right? Yep. Um, what else do I have to do in the in the T section? Beat the boys. Yes, I was just going to say that. I not only have to find out how you did, because we're struggling along, yeah. the two of us, I have to give you the, the password for week, what will be week six, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How'd you do? I went one and one. Beat the boys, presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Fireplace season, football season, they are attached at the hip. You went one and one, I went one and one. I don't know why I picked the Falcons for some reason. I sat here, I have <laughs> lots of TVs, as you know, yeah. and so I watch a lot of games. Yeah. I watch probably eight games, eight full games a, a Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I sat here watching Carolina and Atlanta <laughs> yeah. after I picked Atlanta. Yeah. Oh, God. And I say to myself, what the hell's wrong? I mean... <laughs> I know. They can't win a game. They're, they're, they can't win a game. They haven't won a game. I've watched them all year be terrible. They can't win a game. They're about to fire their coach. They're about to fire their GM. Yeah. And I somehow, like on a Thursday, I call up the games and I put a check mark. And I, why? why? I don't know either. Why? Why? 
I don't yeah, know. It's like the Titanic just hit the iceberg, and, and now we're going to enter that boat into a, a race. Can't we just do what's obvious <laughs> and put the check mark down, yeah. and let's go on to the next game? Why do we try to outthink ourselves? I, I think maybe we're trying it, to make up ground is what's happening. Yeah. I have in the back of my mind that I'm behind. And the, and the truth of the matter is we have 13 weeks to go. we got plenty of time. And and yet, in my back of my mind, when I make these picks on the Beat the Boys competition, I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm behind. Let me take a... Let me take a flyer on this one to yeah. see if I can gain some ground. And it's stupid because I end up picking the Falcons yeah. as my flyer. And then I watch the Falcons game and go, what? The, what the, <laughs> I know. What's wrong with me? <laughs> it's a seeking ship and we're picking them. Ugh. I think combined with when a team has like 0-4, 1-3, part of me goes, well, they're going to have a – they're due for a good game. So maybe this will be it. I know. It's silly. So I'm 1-1. One one. I got the other one right. I got the Cleveland Browns over As the did I. School. Yep. And then what do you have in Buffalo, Tennessee? I'm pulling it up right now. I have Buffalo. Why couldn't we have split? God. What? I have Buffalo, too. Okay. Which just means Buffalo's going to lose. We're going to go one and two and everybody else. <laughs> Thank you. Jeez. <laughs> you think everyone has Buffalo? No, I think a lot of people have Tennessee. Okay. That's the point. Well, I'd like to change it so you have ten- one of us has Tennessee so that we guarantee one of us is going to go two and one. But I think we're both going to go two and one. Buffalo's going to win. I'm feeling it. I'm- That's how we make up ground. You know in blackjack when you get way down, then you start betting more than you really want to because you got to make up the ground. That's sort of how I feel right now. Okay, week six, people need to know a password. We need a password. And I don't mean changing your own personal password. Correct. This, I like to call it a code word for week six. Here are the three games. First of all, I'll tell you the three games. I love these three games that I pick. Okay. I love them. Packers, Bucks. Okay. Next week. Tom Brady off of a loss against Aaron Rodgers. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Rams, Niners next week, and that's in LA. I think it's in. I think it's in Santa Clara. But okay. I'm not sure. Okay. Rams, Niners. Yeah. One team's. Co- <laughs> <laughs> it, th- that was gonna make. I mean, we're still in the T's, but that was gonna make. If the Seahawks lost to the Vikings, Steve even Dion worse. right now is listening to this guy. <laughs> Would you guys wrap up the T's? Right, we're gonna hear. We're gonna hear. Hey, Mary Moore Park. You guys told me that you were gonna <laughs> yeah. shorten the T's. All right, I'll stop. Go give the games. Packers, Bucks. Yep. Rams, Niners, mm-hmm. and Chiefs, Bills. Oh, good one. Yeah, these are good games. I'm with you. I'm trying to pick games that could go either way so yeah. that we can gain some ground. The problem is I pick games that can go either way, and then we go the wrong way. <laughs> That's right. And we lose ground. <laughs> yeah. Packers, Bucks, Rams, Niners, Chiefs, Bills. Love it. So you need a password. Correct. You need a code word to get in to be able to do it. That's probably what we should call it, code word. The code yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. And the code word is by, B-Y-E. Okay. Very simple. Simple. You have you have a follow up question on the word buy? I don't. Yes, no. you do. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> case sensitive at all? It's still not case sensitive. Okay, that's good to know. B Y E. That was my safe school. Is your is your code word of week six to get yourselves in to make the picks for the Beat the Boys competition? I believe I'm giving everybody a prize that beats us over the course of the <laughs> year. Know. The problem is it's like 500 people. Oh yeah. I thought one of us would get hot. Well, again, the you, two of us keep picking the same damn games. We're like we're like Sanford and Son bidding against yeah. each other at the auction. But you're making me panic. But we have a lot of games left. A lot of games. Yeah, left. yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got done saying we have a lot, a lot of, games of games left, left, so there's no need to and panic. You know, I always have up my sleeve, forgetting to give the code word out. That's yeah, true. Having a thousand people in this competition not be able to get into the thing. Be great. We go in, go three and zero that week. Bam, we slice off 200, 300 people. I'm all for it. I'm all for cheating. Make it happen.
All right, episode 112, thank goodness, is going to be fun. Although, perhaps we'll get into some of the negative. Uh, I've got Brady Henderson from CenturyLink Field, ESPN Seahawks Insider, of course. A really fun conversation with Rick Neuheisel. I promise you're going to giggle nice. if you listen to Rick Neuheisel. If you like the Neuheisel-Mitch combo and the chemistry that we have, you're really going to like this one. And I've got a British filmmaker hotshot who directed and produced a series for 30 for 30, you know, the 30 for 30 ESPN documentaries. I love them. But this this one, this is like a three-parter, either a three or four-parter. It's not on TV. It's on their ESPN Plus platform. Yep. It's about Oscar Pistorius. Oh. What do you remember about Oscar Pistorius? He was this guy who was the most inspirational athlete of all time. He, he One of. Yeah, he, he didn't have legs, no legs from the knee down, I think. Correct. And he ran on the blades. On the blades. Prosthetic blades. On the blades. and was an inspiration to every handicapped person in the world. But if I remember correctly, he wasn't just competing. I think he was, like, actually fighting for top three. Like, he was good, right? Well, he was the best in the Paralympics, and then he qualified, right. and it was very controversial. He qualified, I think it was for the 2012 That's right. yeah. Summer Olympics. Yeah. And people fought. A lot of people didn't want him in. They said, oh, the blades are an unfair advantage. Guy had no legs. <laughs> right. Blades are an unfair <laughs> advantage. He ran want for South trade? Africa. <laughs> he was on their relay team. I think he ran a 400. It was on, right. He was literally the most impressive feel-good story in the world of sports. Yep. And then he became O.J. Simpson. Correct. At least we think. Okay. He shot and killed his girlfriend of three or four months. Yeah. There is no disputing that. He he readily admits, I shot and killed my three or four month girlfriend. He says he did it because he thought she was a burglar breaking into his home. Okay. Authorities say differently. He was tried. He was found guilty. He's in jail. So he literally, he's the OJ Simpson of the rest of the world. Yeah. And this man, Dan Gordon, British filmmaker, did a three or four part series on Oscar Pistorius. And he joins us here on episode one. Not Oscar. Oscar was unavailable. He didn't join us. Okay. He's in jail. Gotcha. Oscar didn't even join Dan Gordon. Dan asked him to be a, a part of this series. Yeah. And he was, he was reluctant to do it. He so passed he on it, huh? He passed on it. Ah, it's too bad. That's a bummer. I like to hear from him these days. Well... Yeah. You're going to hear from Dan Gordon on this show. Right. Okay? Yeah. He'll be the third interview along with Brady Henderson and Rick Neuheisel. Dan Gordon, Oscar Pistorius, a 30 for 30 ESPN documentary. Episode 112, Hot Shot, presented by our sponsors, our partners, like Daniel's Broiler. If you didn't hear the news last week, the South Lake Union location has joined Les Shy in offering $40 bottles of Vouv Clicquot Champagne, regularly $145, now $40 to celebrate Daniel's 40th birthday. Pick up delivery or safely dine in with Daniel's Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. The Kirkland office of Gil Mortgage, a five to seven minute chat with Jordan Flowers and his team at the Kirkland office could get you a 2.6% standard rate reduction or 3% on cash out refis. There's a reason this is the hottest time in the mortgage business. The world is restructuring its debt and saving a ton of money. 425 250 3150. 
the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Evergreen Golf Call. Start with their free newsletter at evergreengk.com. You'll hear from CEO Tyler Hay on this episode 112. Lots of exciting news with Evergreen the last few weeks, including the acquisition of an accounting firm as an additional layer to the services they provide their clients. Opportunities abound to grow your money at Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Zeke's Pizza, all 17 locations are open. Two more on the way. You can obviously dine in or pick up or just have it delivered courtesy of the Zeke's Pizza app. Download it now. Pizza and growlers at your door in no time. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Let's start episode 112 right now. Unfiltered. So we're not counting the Falcons' late touchdowns. But we're well, not counting the Dolphins' late touchdowns. It's right. like me saying, look at me. Yeah, but just put the nose aside. <laughs> I know, right? Just put the schnoz aside. I'm a hell of a handsome fella. Yeah. Just, just put your hand over the nose, and you would say, oh, I need both hands for that. Unfiltered. I've been to a handful of NHL games, yep. and it's been a long time since I have been. Oh, I, I would say that I'll be, I'll be a moderate hockey fan, but I'll be all in on the Kraken. Well, I'll be all in. I, I'm all in on the Storm. I just, I don't know why. I'm not... I'm I'm not pressed to go watch them. I should have searched them out. Every time I turn on ESPN and I see the highlights, they're beating somebody by like 40. Did they lose a game? And are they that much? How did they get to be so good? Mitch is unfiltered. A victorious, if you're a Seahawks fan, I guess... Not everybody in our audience is a, is a Seahawks fan. Correct. I was going to say a victorious episode 112. On a weird weekend, a, a victorious for the Seahawks episode 112. 112 for the 12s, by the way. For the 12s. Weird. For the 12s. They're 5-0 going to the bye week. You sent me a weird text, something yeah. about the hospital, and it was a, I wasn't sure if was, you were yeah. serious or not. What, am I joking? Well, you, I don't know. Maybe it was a metaphor for something. I don't <laughs> well, know. Steve the thought host- it was a. Steve thought it was a metaphor for. Something. I thought you were serious, and then Steve's yeah. trying to talk me out of it. We're lucky. We're a lucky family. We consider ourselves fortunate. We had a little. Well, I'm not supposed to use the word accident. My son, who's in driving school, says there's no. It's not. A, it's not an accident. It's a collision or it's a crash. Oh. It's not an accident. You don't call it oh, an really? accident. At least I that's what that. they. That's what they teach them these days in driving school. Okay. I was on the golf course on Friday. Playing around a golf, got to a point where I was waiting for my playing partner to join me. We were we were slowed down a little bit, so I took out my phone and there was a text from my younger son Brett, fifteen, who's now learning to drive, saying, "Call me immediately, emergency." The worst thing you could ever read. I hate it. I know. Have I've, you ever gotten one before? Yeah, call I've, me. Call me immediately, emergency. Well, close. When my wife got the mirror knocked off the car, and I know it's not the same, but she panicked, and Piper sent me five. Call dad. Call you know. So I, my head's it's like, I don't work. know. Yeah, you don't know what's going on. My heart uh, stopped. Yep. I'm on a golf course. Call me immediately, emergency. And then the worst thing that happens is you call him, and it goes to voicemail. <laughs> Of course. And then you call your wife, oh. and it goes to voicemail. Oh, the worst. Yeah. So now, so you, now no you don't know what the hell. I don't know if I should be running off the golf course. Right. I try again. He picks up the phone. He says, Dad, there's been a collision. We were taking Misty, little Misty, to the vet, and there was an accident in the... There's an accident in the um, in the parking lot. I immediate, Is everybody okay? Yeah. Mom's got a, a, a hurt leg. Oh. We're going to take her... 
we're we're going to take her to the to the hospital, the emergency room. We're going to call an ambulance. I said, how bad is it? Well, we don't know. I said, I'll, I'll be there in ten minutes. I'll be there in, in ten minutes. Yeah. And so I said, wait, if she if she can wait, let me get there. Police were there. He says, police oh. are here. Ambulances, fire trucks, everything are here in the parking lot. He tries to tell me a little bit about what happened, and it's going through my head. I'm just rushing to get off the golf course in it. Right. So. Long, long, long story short on Friday, we spent several hours in the emergency room at Swedish Hospital in Issaquah, Washington. Do you know it? My daughter's been there. Was she born there? No, but she had some sort of weird lung thing at like yeah. five years old. And yeah. her pediatrician said, uh, we got to get her. So she did two overnights at yeah. Swedish. It was great. Everyone was nice. And Long, long, long story short, we're very fortunate. Everybody here is okay. My son, 15, who's just learning to drive, was driving the car. Okay. Out of the parking lot after Misty got her shots, he was he was stopped, and a car that was parked backed up with him right behind the car, not seeing him, oh. and backed right into the passenger side door. Okay. And then they hit the horn and stop. Horn, 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 yeah, yeah, horn. Yeah. The person started to move forward. My wife started to get out of the car. To approach the person. To go assess. And, to, yeah. go, to go talk to the person. She opens the door. She swings her legs out. And for whatever reason, he comes back again. Oh. And her leg gets caught in the door. Mm. Yeah, that's bad. That, 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 that could have been... Horrific. Yes. It could have been horrific. Gruesome and horrific. Horrific. Yes. Thank, thank, thank the Lord. <sighs> he was coming slow enough. She got out. I mean... He actually didn't didn't respond right away with her leg. Her leg was caught in the door, oh. and we got her to the hospital. There's damage to the car. We got her to the hospital. Thank thank goodness, no broken bones. Yeah. She's on crutches. We're hoping not too much more damage. They say that she should heal very quickly, and hopefully she's now putting a little bit of a weight on it over the last couple of days, and... All, all's well that ends well. Older couple, okay. didn't speak English. Okay. We needed somebody from one of the restaurants to come out to help us speak English. Yeah. And uh, took full responsibility, apologized, and yeah, yeah, it well, happens. That could have ended a lot worse, like you said. I, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. A lot worse. Yep. So everybody's okay. The car needs to be fixed. The car's <laughs> got quite some damage on it. Oh, welcome and to my world. It, it's that's fun. the way my weekend started. <laughs> right. And this was the way my weekend ended. <laughs> yeah. You've been sweating for 72 hours straight, haven't you? I mean, you probably lost money gambling Saturday on college oh, football. And you've been sweating for this I whole don't time. I discuss that. <laughs> right. I'd rather not discuss that. Uh, but that's the that's the way it that's the way it started. But everybody's well. Yeah. She's going to be great, and uh, no harm done. Well, very little harm done, and no hard feelings for the for the older couple. What about Brett's? desire to drive did that scare him at he all drove home that night we had okay. after the emergency after the several hours in the emergency room we had to go back and get the car she couldn't drive right. i had my car from the golf course he drove home right uh west on 90 at one point going a good 65 miles an hour <laughs> at 15 <laughs> in the right lane he's a trooper he good did, he did great i he could see great. that kind of scare in a 15 year old absolutely and, yeah, absolutely falling off a horse or absolutely yeah. no 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 he good was fine he's driven he's driven a few different times since so good everything's well but good. that's the way the the weekends are. and then you've got all this stuff going on you got the seahawks somehow five and oh i'm sh still not certain how they did it we'll get there 
you've got the Dak injury, oh. the Dak Prescott injury, which uh, it just makes me sick to my so- stomach watching something. And it happens way too often. Interesting that it happened on the day that Alex Smith played football again it's true. in the NFL. I think he started for the Redskins. He didn't start. No, he came in? Yeah, he came in. Yeah. And I was, uh, I don't know if you were watching that. I almost couldn't watch. Which one? Dak or Alex? Well, Al- when Alex came in. No, I didn't see it. Oh. I would, that was one of the games I was not watching. Yeah. I, I was like, remember we you watched were scared. Him? He almost fell off his flip flop. Yeah. yeah. You were scared. <laughs> I, mean, for I was him. so scared. You were scared. And then, for one, him. of course, he's playing uh, Aaron Donald, right? I mean, of all the people to you know, cut your teeth with, yeah. like with your new leg. And yeah. he got sacked a few times, but he came out of it okay. How about the Dak injury? It's heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking. And then with him crying, and it was heartbreaking. The fact that he didn't sign a contract. The compound fracture. Not good. Yeah. Compound fracture. In the hospital, surgery tonight. Yep. Didn't get the big contract. Yep. Now everybody's making a big deal out of it. I just hope the guy's okay. Yeah. I just hope he can make a speedy recovery and get back on the football field in the next yep. year or two. And I just hope that uh, – I hope he's okay. What are your thoughts on Jerry Jones? It's been – I've seen both sides. Yeah, everybody's Everyone's all over gotta... Jerry Jones for not giving him the contract. Yeah. He wrote some really nice things. He said some really nice things. Look, it's business. Yeah. It's business. Um, let's see how it plays out. He may still give him a big contract. Yeah. Right? He may get a big contract somewhere else. Let's just see how it plays out. But I, I don't know that you can sit back now and criticize Jerry Jones because he never gave him the big contract because the guy got hurt. J- Jerry Jones was not m- making this decision based on injury. He was making this as a – and it may not have been a very good business decision either. I mean, it, in fact, it, it looked like it was a terrible business decision. So, you know, I, I think misguided to go down that road. Okay. It was kind of weird seeing Mike McCarthy and then Jason Garrett. Yeah. And then Tony Romo was calling yep. the game. And it was yep. just like all these Cowboys were involved. So you got the Dak injury. You've got the Niners getting absolutely embarrassed by my Miami Dolphins. Jimmy Garoppolo benched right. in the middle of the game. Just awful. You got the Chiefs getting shocked by the Raiders. You've got the Lakers winning the NBA championship for like a, I don't know, 17th time or something for the Lakers hoping, organization. I was hoping that game would be a little better so I could have watched it instead of the Seahawks game for a good a good majority <laughs> of it. But I, they're up by like 30. No. I was like, I can't flip over to this. You've got Dan Quinn and his GM being fired after an 0-5 start and you and I picking the Falcons in the game. <laughs> uh, you've got the Dory Monson story. Oh, He's yeah. been mentioned on this show a few times by you. You brought him up a couple of times. Yeah, I got a few tweets. A few tweets Is he going to make the other stuff segment? I mean, or no. I have it in my notes. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if we need to talk about it anymore. We've got Ralph Nadal. Are you a tennis guy at all? No, I, I know the name. Do you know Rafael Nadal? Sure, I know the name. Do you know the story of him at the French Open? No, you don't. Tell me. Thirteen French Opens. Okay, that's pretty good. I'm guessing. Thir- okay. But don't those guys play forever, though? I mean, 15, yeah. So the golf. Okay, so golfers play forever. Okay. And the greatest, the, the, the most dominant major championship performer was Jack Nicholas at the Masters. He won six. Okay. Yeah. This that... guy's won 13 <laughs> French Opens. All right. That's pretty crazy. I don't think you have to follow tennis to understand that. He's won 20 <laughs> Grand Slams. He's won 13 French Opens. Wow. He is 102 in matches at the French Open. He has been in 26 matches in the semifinals and finals in his career at the French Open on clay. He's been in 26 matches in the semifinals and finals. Yeah. 26 matches. 26 and 0. Wow, that's impressive. So we, we love lists. Where is he? Is he on the Mount Rushmore? 
of uh, men's well, tennis players? Well, I know that's a good. That's a that's a long. Okay. That's a long answer. I don't know that. I mean, I'm not I'm not savvy enough in tennis. I he has dominated one event so much that it actually might hurt him. Oh, I see. That some of the other guys like well. I don't know. Maybe he is. Yeah, that's maybe a- is. He's close. He's you know. You've got Djokovic now. You've got Federer. Obviously, you got some of the other greats of the game. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't profess to know enough about the history of tennis to be able to tell you whether he's one of the four. On the clay court, they slide a little bit more, right? When they, they do slide a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, it's yes. kind of weird to watch. Yeah. I don't know that. that- <laughs> I feel like I want to pull. A, I would pull a groin if I had to go out there and play on clay. Iga Szwiątek. She's the 19-year-old Polish woman, 19-year-old youngest since Monica Seles in 1992 to win the uh, French Open. She's the first Poland-born athlete to win a major championship in tennis. Wow, good for so her. got a lot of stuff. Congratulations. But the story that everybody wants to hear about, I, I guess most people want to hear about. Yeah. There was a football game on Sunday night between the Seahawks and the Vikings, 29-28. If I would have said to you yes. on Friday. Yes. Or whenever... Would you sign up for 26 points that the Seahawks defense will give up against the Vikings? Would you have taken 26 points? 26? Why 26? Or whatever. 28, wasn't it? No, I don't even know. Was it 27, 26? 27, 26. 20, yeah. I thought it was 29, 28. Yeah. Okay, 27, 26. Nonetheless, whatever the Vikings scored, yeah, would yeah. you have signed up for that on Friday you know, before the weekend? 26? Hits? Yep. Well, I predicted 34-23 on the Seahawks no table. So that's pretty close. I don't know that I would have signed up for 26. It would have been very close. Okay. I would have had to think about it for a long time. It was, it'd be right there somewhere near the sweet spot. If I'm giving you an honest answer, you're, you're hopeful. You want me to play the game? I'll play the game. Sure. I would have. Well, I, that, that's you, what you want me to I say. I don't want you to say anything. No, I'm just you kind of do want me to say that because well, I, care I don't want to mess it. up. It's like me messing up a, a no, joke. Not at all. You're going to say yes or no. You're going to say yes or no. It doesn't mess. Anything I would up. say, I would say, it would depend on how I was feeling on Thursday. <laughs> Depends if the sun was out on Thursday. Because I think I would have signed up for that. Yeah. Because you would have thought that the Seahawks are going for 30 or more. That's and right. It's no problem. That's right. Like, like they've been doing. Okay. Let's get to the, let's get to the brass tacks. Number one, the Seahawks are 5-0. and oh. These are the facts that you need to know. They're 5-0. and oh. They're in the bye week. They're first in the West. They're one game up on the Rams. They're two games up on the Cardinals. And they are three full games up on the reigning NFC champion, right. San Francisco 49ers. They are three games up on the 49ers. I had them losing at least one to the 49ers. Okay. They're the only 5-0 and team in the NFC. So they are now the only 5-0 and because Green Bay is 4-0 and and they're in their bye week. So mm-hmm. they're not going to play. So the Seahawks are now atop the NFC at 5 and 0. First time that the Seahawks have ever been 5 and 0. First time. That's crazy. This is brass tacks, ladies yep. and gentlemen. <laughs> um they're in a bye fact. They should get in 2 weeks when they go back out there against the Cardinals, they should get Jamal Adams back. Oh. Jeez. Get me a new belt. Okay. Uh they should get Jordan Brooks back. They should get Mike Iapati back. They should get Carlos Hyde back. Great. And I'm not sure about Philip Dorsett, whether he's going to play. We haven't seen him play in the wide receiving core for the Seahawks yet. So those are the facts. Their next four games, Cardinals, Niners, Bills, Rams. Cardinals, Niners, Bills, Rams. Hardest stretch of the season so far. Yeah. 
That's the facts. 500. 500. That's what I'm predicting. Two and two? I think they're going to go two and two. Would you take two and two? You asked me if I take 26. Oh. Would, you, would you take two and two? Well, if, if I predict That puts them at seven and two through nine. Uh, that's a tough one because I root for this team, so to root against them would be weird. So I, I don't know. Uh, I would not take two and two. You think I, they I would, I'd rather play it. Okay. Play it out and risk one. What essentially that, that little routine that we're doing is, the question what we're really asking is, would you take two and two? Or would you risk one and three and zero oh and four by going out and playing the four? Right. I think I would not take two and two in any four game stretch with this team, mm. with the way this quarterback's playing, with no fans in attendance at road sites. Right. I don't think I would take two and two in any four games. Okay. So I'll risk one and three and zero oh and four for the chance that I might get three and one. Or God willing, four and zero. Yeah, I want to take a shot. I want to take a run at three and one and four and zero. I'm probably speaking out of my ass because we're getting to the defense. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get to the defense here in a moment. Here, here more brass tacks okay. for you. And this is not Mr. Postseason. We'll do that on Thursday for the P show. More brass tacks. They now have five. They now have how many games left? They would have eleven games. They left. have eleven games. How many against the NFC West? We haven't played them yet, so six. Six. So they got five non-NFC West opponents left. Okay. Ready for them? Yep. The Bills. Yeah, 4-0, right? 4-0. And then Jets, 0-5. Giants, 0-5. Eagles, 1-3-1. Redskins, 1-4. Those are their five non-NFC West games. Combined, 6-17-1. <laughs> so you've got the Bills game, and then you've got four games that you are going to be huge favorites in that yeah. you should win all four. If you're going to go if you don't go 4 and 1 in those games it would be almost a surprise. You got a shot at going 5 and 0 oh in those games. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And you're already 5 and 0. Oh. So that would be So let's say they go 4 and 1 in those games. Let's okay. let's say they lose to the Bills or maybe they beat the Bills and they get caught by I don't know the Eagles or somebody I I can't imagine that the Redskins, Giants or Jets would beat them. I just can't imagine the Redskins, Giants or Jets, but I, you never know. It's the NFL. You That's you right. play the games. <laughs> I've okay. heard that before somewhere. Yes. Yeah. So let's say the Eagles catch them. Okay. The Eagles can oh, catch them. Oh, that would kill me. I hate the Eagles, but fine. All right. All right, the Bills catch them. Okay. <laughs> let's hope it's the Bills because you want you want an AFC team to beat them if anybody's going to beat them. That's right. Because they don't hurt as much, the AFC losses. So let's say they go four and one of those five. So now what are you after five and oh? If you just include those four. Nine and one. You're nine and one. Now you got six games. Two Cardinals, two Rams, two Niners. Four and two. Yeah. 13 and three. Yeah. Yeah. Every time we Number do Number one it's... seed, 13 and three. I, I don't know that the Green Bay Packers, even with their lousy schedule that they have, I don't know that they're going 13 and three. We're big Buccaneers fans next weekend. Yes, we are. Yeah. I'm just saying, things are setting up. I mean, as bad as the defense is, and it's bad. Yeah. It is really, really bad. Yeah. Um, you know, 12 and 4. Thir- I mean, at this point, if I said to you, all, all we can quit the rest of the season right now. Okay. And I, we're going to write down 11 and 5 for them. There's no way you would take that. No way you would take that. Yeah, you would they could say, do better no, than no, that. No, no. Yeah. I'll risk, as I said, I'll risk going 10 and 6, 9 and 7, 8 and 8, 7 and 9. <laughs> I'll risk all that because I want to shoot for 13 and 3, 12 and 4, something really, really good, right? The only thing that scares me a bit is that I had this Minnesota game as kind of an easy win. You did. I mean, they're one and three. Seahawks were at home. I know there's no fans, but they, they sh- really should have lost that game. 
So even Should a, they have? On paper, they lost it. Did they? Sure. In the stats, they lost it. 449 yards to 314? Yeah. 31 first downs to 18 first downs? Yeah. Okay. Uh, plays? Yeah. 83 to 52? Yeah. You see the Seahawks' third down percentage? But yeah, 0 for 7? Teams that are undefeated. They were killing the Seahawks. Okay, so the Chiefs lost to the Raiders. Yeah. Teams that are undefeated end up. This is why no one ever approaches the 1972 Miami Dolphins and we drink. <laughs> okay, because teams that are undefeated end up losing, and more times than not, they lose to an inferior team. They just they come out flat. I mean, look at how flat they, they were. They were so flat. That's the best word to describe it in that first. Oh half. my God! And the, the 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 lack of anybody there doesn't help you get out of flatness, does it? it? Sure doesn't. That's exactly right. No one to feed off of. I mean, everybody was talking on the on the on the telecast about how how. The crowd helps the defense. Yeah. Well, the defense wasn't really as much the problem as the offense was in the first half. I mean, the defense was not good, but they're never good, and they only gave up 13 in the first That's half. Right. Yeah. The real problem in the first half was the offense was like asleep. And I just think while a crowd doesn't help an offense, I think a crowd, a home crowd, helps a flat football team. That's right. It just, it just wakes you up, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And, yeah, I... I you know, I, I yeah, I, did the Vikings deserve? I guess you're right. The Vikings deserve to win. Yeah, but when the chips were down, <laughs> yeah, thirteen plays, ninety four yards for the win with a wet football. When Russell oh. can't really throw, and those first few throws, by the way, in that drive, the first few incomplete passes, one to the left sideline that was short, one over the middle that was not even close. Yep. I was just sitting there saying he does not for as big as that guy's hands are, and he's got some big hands. Yeah. That guy just doesn't throw. He's just not as accurate with a wet football in wet conditions than he is. I guess you might say, no shit, Sherlock. Not, nobody is. Yeah. But he seems to really, he, he seems to drop precipitously in in wet weather. Well, that was my question. I have many for you, but. Okay. Is him not being good in the rain a thing? I feel like we've talked about it. Yeah, or, it's a thing. It is a thing. I couldn't find any data or stats to back it oh, up. Oh, there's plenty of data and stats to back it on up. On him playing in the rain? Yeah, I don't think that they're particularly good in the rain. I don't think he's okay. at his best in the rain. But again, probably no quarterback is. But he seemed, he seemed even in that last drive, like in that last drive after he made that run, Right at the very beginning, the first play where he scampered up the middle for 15 or 20 yards and he got himself in position. And I looked at the clock and there was plenty of time and they had timeouts left. And I said to myself right there, I said, Mitch, (laughs) if this were a regular day, a dry, a nice day somewhere, he's going against that defense, which is a terrible defense. He's going right down the field and he's going to score. But that but I said to myself, I'm not sure that I believe it tonight. This was this was right after he ran up the middle for 20 yards. Yeah. And then he threw those two passes, which were not accurate at all. He bounced the pass, as I said, to yeah. the guy on the left, and he missed it. And, I, and that rein, reinvigorated my thought, which was, tonight is not going to happen. It's just not it's his night. It's not going to happen yep. tonight. And boy, oh boy, and then he, how, how, how many times do we have to get beaten in the face? How big does my <laughs> nose have to get oh before we stop doubting that guy? I, for real. Okay, You're right. can we stop? Yeah. You're right. Can all of us just stop yep. coming up with reasons? It's like me coming up with reasons the Falcons are going to win a football game. Just stop. <laughs> yep. They suck. Stop. He's great. He comes through almost every single time. Stop, Mitch, figuring out reasons why. He's not going to come through on this particular evening. It's crazy. We, we People still doubt him. I was doubting him. I was doubting I him. I told my wife, you can go ahead, take Piper's friend home. 
I not, said it's not losing. happening tonight. No, it's just not. It's just not happening tonight. It, it, one of the plays I remember where I said it's just not their night was I think it was third and one, and they blitzed the linebacker. He guessed right. He hits yeah. right in the back. I just yeah. said everything's going right for the Vikings. It just happens. It's it's just not, not going to be their night. night. They're going to be four and one. Yep. Which is fine going into the bye. Take four yeah. and one. It hurts a little bit because yeah. the Vikings aren't good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That pass that he made to DK on the last drive, that kind of floater. The, on fourth, the, the fourth down play to keep the drive alive. Oh, yeah, on the left sideline. Yeah. Where, that, where, where Metcalf kind of adjusted to the yeah, ball. that's right. The, the, the corner kind of went by him, and he makes the play. Yeah. Even that was kind of a crappy pass. Yeah, right? it wasn't great. It didn't look great. It looked I, weird. Yeah, well, I, just, I think it was a prayer that, that DK answered. Okay. DK Metcalf, man. D, I don't know what to say about him. <laughs> I don't know what to say about him. I, I, I can tell you, again, going back to my initial point in the T section of this show, had they not won that football, we just changed one play, and they not won that football game. I would have been pretty hard on him for dropping that ball. On the he's got to catch that ball. Yeah, whatever play that was, that was a that's a walk in touchdown. He was wide open. The ball was right on the button. He okay. It, I, I'm tired of hearing people tweet me. Oh, you got to give credit to the defensive back. Okay, excuse me. <laughs> the guy is six twelve. 514 pounds <laughs> right. of granite rock and the guys that are hitting him are a quarter of his size and he's got his and he's got the ball at the time come on he's got to catch that ball no i agree he's got to catch that ball he's got to hold on to that ball he would have been oh it would have left me because he's had such a great start to the season i would have had a hard time doing it but i would have been critical of him for not catching that ball he's got to catch that ball any reason they didn't and re- then he makes the harder catch on fourth down. Right. Gets, well, that was a much harder catch. The first one was easy compared to the last one. With the good come the bad with him. It's just every game. There's just always it's a lot something of good, though. It's a lot of good. He's a monster. No, he is. He is. He's a freaking monster. But it, when he He's cleans. The real deal. When he cleans up the drops and cleans up the letting it go at the goal line and that touchdown that he should have. When he lets go of that stuff, forget about well, it. Well, I don't know that he can just let go. I don't know that. You it, could clean that stuff up. I mean, he, well, he should could. Yeah. You could. You could also be. Just a guy who's going to – it might just have, it might be the Chris Carson story. We went through this before with Chris Carson. I used to say to you every time you gave me a hard time when he fumbled, I'd say – All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Once every 25 carries, he fumbles. But on the other 24 carries, he's exactly what you want. So, so at some point, it might just be that DK Metcalf is going to drop some balls. Okay. That we think he should hold on to. It just might be that. He I may not. not. He may not ever clean that up. But – Again, I'll say what I said. I mean, the guy is, hes even with that, he's turning into one of the very best wide receivers in the league, right in front of our eyes. I was trying to figure out why he dropped in the draft so much. I went back to look, and I, I, it was a lot of he can't run he, routes. Well, or he's there was a, some questions about his route running. Yeah. He didn't catch a lot of balls a senior year. I think if you go back, he caught like, I don't know, like 25 balls a senior year. He didn't okay. have a huge year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. Great yeah. pick. Russell Work, loves workout him. warrior, they called him. You know, it looks great. You know, it looks great in an airport. You know, airport right, yeah. guy, Vital would call him. He's an old airport guy. Looks <laughs> yeah. great in the airport. Great getting off the bus. Off the bus, but then, yeah. Yeah. But uh, no. The one where he dropped it, do you know why that wasn't reviewed? Oh, I think it should have been reviewed. Okay. Because I think the uh, the standard for a catch has changed in the last few years. Where yeah. that a few years ago that was not even close to a catch. In the last couple of in the last year, it's two feet. Yeah, I I think that they should have probably stopped the game. But you know, there was a lot of things that I was writing down and I was tweeting during that final drive that I guess are just not important anymore. 
I'll give you one of them right off the top. I don't know. I don't know if you want me to do this, sure. but I'll give you one off the top of my head. I don't understand. There's a few things as as a great play caller, which I am. Yes, I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, there's a few things I just don't get. First of all, how is Chris Carson not on the field on every single play of the final drive of the game? I have that in my notes. Is he not good I, enough to be on the... No, no, it's, it, what's going on? Well, it's a package. It's their package. It's their third down package. Right now, Travis Homer is in their third down package. But I would think with the game on the line in the final drive, you would want a guy who can both block better than Travis Homer, catch the ball better than Travis Homer, and run the ball better than Travis... You would want him on the... Even if you're never going to use him, right. wouldn't you want him on the field as somebody that the defense has got to consider? They're not considering Travis Homer in that last 13-play, 94-yard drive. Not considering him at all. Yeah. So that's my first question. Why wouldn't you put 32 on the field at least for a portion of that drive? Makes To me, there now Shoddy could be sitting where you're sitting and he could say, we scored. Mitchie, we scored. I engineered the drive. Russell Mitch. Wilson pulled pulled it off. Yeah. What are you bringing these up for? And he and I and I would lose that argument. But I but but you know what? I will stand by my guns. And my 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 reasonable thinking is that 32 should be on the field on that drive. Maybe not every down. He's got to be out there. That's my first thought. Okay. Again, these are irrelevant now because yeah, well, who cares, right? Yeah. People who might criticize me. You can fast forward through these if you want. And I'll give you the other one. I am convinced, and not just Schottenheimer, that offensive coordinators, when they get into that situation, that final drive, they totally forget there is no law against sticking a running play in there. They had one or two right. timeouts. They had plenty of time. A running play doesn't take much time. The, the Vikings were completely disregarding the running play. They were just bringing people at Russell Wilson. They were just pinning their ears back, those front four coming at him. They weren't even considering a running play. It would all, and again, I wouldn't want it. I don't think I would want it with Travis Homer, but there's no, there's no law that states when there's a minute and 15 seconds and you're moving, you're at the 40 and it's first down or second down, that you can't take a snap and just hand it to 32 and get eight, nine, 10 yards, boom. And what you're also doing is you're putting into the minds of the defense, wait a second, they may run the ball. Keep it in mind. Now, now there's the threat of that, yep. and it might make the passing game easier. So many offensive court. Now, there are certain times, Hotshot, that, that the time and the timeouts remaining dictate you can't run the ball. That's right, yeah. I mean, if there's 35 seconds with no timeouts yep. and you're rushing up. And, but they had... They had a minute and I think 40-something seconds. They were moving the ball. They had yep. timeouts. By the way, it does, you know how long it takes to run a quick inside handoff? You can get back up there and spike the ball easy. You can run another play easy. Yeah. And and the defense is not considering that in the least. And I, I, I for one, having watched football all these years, have always felt that offensive coordinators in that situation that we saw, again, does it matter? No. But they just stop running. They just like, okay, we can't run it. We can't run it. We got to throw it every single down. Yeah. And you don't. You don't have to. It doesn't matter, but it might matter in another game. So I think it's worth talking about. And I mean, how did Chris Carson look on his touchdown run that he had? <sighs> up the, how did he look? I mean, it's like your dream run. I mean, he looked amazing. So you're right. Just maybe try it once. Give it to him. He can house. He can house okay, the ball. So, so I mentioned three things. Yeah. I mentioned one. You can run it. Yes. Two. You can just have him in there. 
Yeah. And releasing and and being a safe. I mean, he's a pretty good receiver. Well, I was going to say he's did, a good receiver out of the backfield too. Did I imagine this, or did he catch a bunch of touchdowns? He's already caught a couple <laughs> this of touchdowns. year. Okay, so yes. he could clearly catch a football. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's my thoughts on the final drive. What is it? What does Homer have that? Like I'm just trying to figure out what area of football is Homer better than Carson? Well, no, it's just the system. It's the way these things work now. You go in with two running backs. Penny is out. Hyde is out. So Homer, it's not DJ Dallas or whatever his name is. Should be. Okay, it's Homer. He's the second running back. And when there's a second running back, he's traditionally the third down, the passing. You you go into a game where the 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 lead running back is your main guy, but in certain packages, he comes off the field and whoever the backup goes on. That's all. He's not going to play, Chris. But I think you can throw that out the window on the final yeah. on the final drive. No, no one says you have to stay with that same uh, personnel. Course, the yeah. final, Just put the guy in there. Let's get the starters back in there, maybe. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. But Travis Homer did catch a touchdown the week before. So. I, 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 no, I, I, <laughs> no, I know. That doesn't this change is not, it. This is not about Travis Homer. Well, if, He's fine. This is about Chris Carson. Yeah, he should be on the field. Right. But Chris Carson, you've got one of the best running backs in the game who can catch the ball and make something happen. Yep. And... You just totally, you know, you well, just totally ignore him. What more does he have to do to get on the field in the final drive, right? Hasn't he done enough? Yeah. It just doesn't make a sense tactically for me. With, with the defense being as rough as it is and Russell pulling these games out, does it affect your opinion anymore about whether whether he should be MVP? I know we're only five games into it, but, but are you more impressed by him winning games because the defense is so bad over maybe, say, a bunch of gaudy numbers and all that? Because to me, I kind of am. To me, this is more, he's more of an MVP than I, if we, if Russell Wilson's not on the Seahawks, I mean, imagine. Yeah. yeah. To me, it's more impressive. They'd be, what do you think? They'd be one and four or two and three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's, if you want to, if you want to judge MVP, I mean, it's, we're, we're, I don't know why we're talking about MVP. I don't know. I mean, it's just, five games into the season, but yes, I mean, and I don't watch all the other, I mean, I watch as many games as I can watch and I'm sure Aaron Rodgers has been great. Guy in Buffalo has been great. A lot of guys have been great. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes has been great, but I'll, I mean. This guy, he's the he's the team. He's the organization. He's the franchise right now. Yeah, he's putting he's putting them on his shoulders, practically with that defense. And again, I don't know how much of that defense you want to discuss. You want to hold it back for the P episode. <laughs> I can talk to you about Shaq Griffin all you'd like. I can talk to you about Quandre Diggs, the game that I thought he had on Sunday night. Wah, wah. I can talk to you about Bobby Wagner, even though he had 14 tackles. I watch him and I wonder whether I'm still watching the same Bobby Wagner. I can talk to you about, we can talk about Barton. We, there's, a lot, there's a lot here. I don't know how much you want. The negatives, I mean, the Vikings run for 201 yards. Cousins go 27 to 39. Coverage for the most part. At, was anybody even covering Adam Thielen? Was anybody covering anybody? No, I don't think so. It was like seven-yard so cushions. open. So open. I, I said I would do anything for a Seahawk DB to be too aggressive and to get beat deep. I, I, that would be a dream for me because they were being too aggressive. I would love to see that. That would be a dream. Be, beat them for a touchdown. I'll be happy. Show it's me some aggression. It's supposed to be the bend, don't break theory, but it was the bend, 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 and then break Yeah. at the end. Yeah. It was. It's, it's, it's a really bad defense. Now... <sighs> There's two ways you can look at this. Well, you can listen at one of two ways. Okay. Number one, you, it depends on how you look at the, the glass. Is the glass half empty or half full? They can't play any worse the rest of the year. I, I just don't believe that that defense can play any worse the rest of the year. Do you know how hard it is to put together two 97-yard drives in one game? <laughs> Not one. One's impressive, right? Yeah. What about two? 
two? The defense cannot play worse the rest of the year. Okay. It's as bad as it possibly can be. And what's the record? Five and oh. I know. Crazy. So that's one way of looking at it. Okay. The other way of looking at it is can they win three or four playoff games playing that that defense? That would be the glass half empty. That would be the half empty. Yeah. Can they get through, let's say, I, I don't know, I'll just throw I'll throw some teams out there. Can they get through the Saints, the Packers, and then the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl playing that defense? I think the answer to the first part is they can still go 12 and 4, 13 and 12 and 4, 13 and 3 with that defense because they're 5 and 0, although they haven't played great teams, they're 5 and 0 playing as bad a defense as they can possibly play. So we know the answer is to the first question, can they still go 12 and 4 and maybe be the number 1 seed or the number 2 seed in the NFC? The answer to that is yes. Can they win 3 games in a row against really good teams playing that style of defense? Can they? I don't see how. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see, see how either. How. But this is not the time for that. Oh, it's not. It's probably not the time for that because they're 5-0 and and they won the game. Oh, so we're supposed to – it's all happy. It's and all I have good. one last thing for this segment, and then we can go to the interviews. You'll hear from Brady Henderson. You'll hear from Rick Neuheisel. You'll hear from the guy who produced the series on Oscar Pistorius. And then we'll have the other stuff segment. We have lots to do. But I'll just end with this. Okay. You know why I love that run? But you know I have a man crush on Chris Carson. <laughs> we're going back to this. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. Is that taco going to taste good oh, or not? Yeah. On that, I mean, this was not a run from the one. No. This was up the gut when momentum was changing, breaking tackles, just just pure intestinal fortitude to the goal line. And because of that, ladies and gentlemen, yep. on Tuesday at Taco Time, at all Taco Time Northwest locations, if you use your app, and you can order ahead on your app, if you use your app, buy one, get one free taco. Tuesday, I'll be doing it. Now, remember, you got to buy the two. I've told you this story before. If you go there and just buy one and expect another one to come, yeah. it's not going to. You got to tell them, I want the two, and then they'll take one off. They won't, they won't charge you for the one, and you got to buy one, get one free. Love it. All Taco Time Northwest location. Did you go last week and get your tacos? I went after I left your house. So, no, I did not Why go on Why don't you go uh, on a Tuesday to get your free? You had two free tacos. I know. I know. Well, during the day, I, I I didn't realize I didn't know whether I could eat four tacos for lunch. Okay, and a drink. And how'd it go? No problem. No problem. <laughs> Easy, right? Oh, they went down smooth. <laughs> so good. With a little bit of ranch dressing in each. Oh, that's right. Because you know it's a special order. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know you're very. Special. I'm very special. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can eat four. I found out that I could eat four because he scored or they scored two rushing touchdowns. Yep. Uh, last week, so I got the f- two and two. Four went down the hatch, no problem. No problem. <laughs> That's good to know. Not a not a problem in the world. Well, during the day, my wife's at work, and I'm also the foreman for our kitchen remodel. Yeah. Oh, and then my daughter's having computer problems. Yeah. And the printer's not working. Yeah. yeah. It just never ends. But there's a night. It's all night. It's all day. Yeah, that's true. I guess I can go at yeah, night. You can yeah. go anytime you want. Yeah. Get yourself some free tacos. Yeah. Thanks to Chris Carson. Thank you, Chris Carson. Thank you, Chris Carson. I still get, I get so many tweets when whenever there's a rushing touchdown. Taco! Taco! <laughs> free taco! I just see just like 15 tweets coming in that say taco. Uh, remember People to order ahead <laughs> with a Taco Time Northwest app and get your free taco. Your buy one, get one free on Tuesday. Three guests and then you and me. Other stuff? I'm ready. Daniel's Broiler CEO, Lindsay Schwartz, is back with us for a few minutes. What a meal our family had on the deck at Les Shy just a few weeks ago. How's everything doing, Lindsay, over there at Daniel's Broiler? 
I'm really glad to hear that you had a good time. You know, there's lots of people celebrating with us, and things are going fine. We're still at 50% capacity, so we can't fill the restaurants up, but uh, we really have been filling them to that capacity level consistently since we reopened back at the end of June. So the three restaurants, three of the four restaurants remain open, outside seating available. As we continue to get kind of encouraging COVID numbers, Lindsay, Are there any rumblings about modifications by the state to the restaurant people? Yeah, there's rumblings. I mean, it's it's day to day. But if um, if the counts continue to stay at the level they're at and and trend down, then we hear that they will allow us to um, to have larger capacities and larger party sizes. So that would be fantastic. But in the meantime, we're just taking a one day at a time and we're feeling pretty good about the, the coming months. The question that I don't think I've ever asked you is how often does Lindsey Schwartz and or his family dine at a Daniels and what's Lindsey Schwartz's go to entree, go to meal at Daniels Broiler? You know, I don't go as much as I used to with uh, with the limited capacity. I don't want to take a table away from <laughs> from somebody else. But uh, when I get a steak, because you gotta you gotta get steak. I like the eight ounce fillet, but I don't always get a steak. And when I don't, I really like the halibut, the fresh halibut that we always carry in the summertime. And I like the salmon year-round, and the crab leg appetizer is my favorite. So there's three ways to enjoy Daniel's Broiler, three of the four locations. You can obviously go dine-in, limited seating inside and outside. You can pick up your order. You can order and pick it up at any one of the three locations, or you can even have Daniel's Broiler delivered to your door. Is that right? Am I missing anything? No, that's right, and and uh, I'm really proud of our team. We've really adapted to to the way the trends are these days. I think we've put together a really good program for both takeout and delivery, and that segment of our business is growing every week. So it's pretty exciting, and we feel good about moving forward, uh, even as as the weather's you know obviously going to change. I think we're still going to be just fine. How do we get delivery? Is it through DoorDash? You know, we're we're pretty much partnered with with every third party delivery service right now. Okay. So anyone that you like to use, uh, check it out, and we should be on there. Daniel's Broiler, world class steakhouses. Unfiltered. Sure enough, fourth and one, we get a huge, huge, amazing stop by the defense. And sure enough, okay, here we go. Let's go win the game. And uh, we just kept battling, kept battling. DK makes a great play on fourth and ten. Then we keep battling, keep going up and down the field. Came down to a a clutch moment. And, uh, you know, I don't know, 15 seconds left. And uh, I just saw DK run across the field. And I just try to zoom it in there to him. And uh, tight window. He just made an unbelievable catch, unbelievable play. Well, Brady Henderson was one of the rare few that got a chance to witness the thrilling one-point victory for the Seahawks over the Vikings on Sunday night. I've forgotten what the final score was. I guess it was 27-26. I was calling it 29-28. Doesn't really matter. He joins us here on episode 112, courtesy of Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app. Order ahead, and your meal will be awaiting your arrival. Brady, 
Brady Henderson at CenturyLink Field. That had to be one of the crazier finishes, and we've seen it. Seems like we see one every single week, but that's gotta that's gotta rank up there in the top three or five. No. It, yeah, it has to. I, I don't know if anything is ever going to top that NFC Championship game against the Packers at the end of the 2014 season when they made that furious comeback, but this has got to be top five, and I, it seems like this happens so often that I don't even know if I could name you the others that would land in that top five just because there's so many to choose from. And you know what, Mitch? I'll tell you this. It makes me glad that I am no longer a fan like I was in a past <laughs> life because games like this, I'm telling you, they take enough years off my life just as a sports writer trying to get my story in on time when the lead is changing five times in the final two minutes. Uh, it would take, I think, a lot more years off my yeah. life if I was a fan with a rooting interest. I'll tell you what. Let's start at the end, and then we'll circle back to the beginning. Uh, let's begin with the fourth down play. First of all, it should have been fourth and four if Quandre digs and the defense can just tackle the guy instead of him getting so close to the marker. What did you think Zimmer was going to do? What should he have done? And what kind of chance did you give the Seahawks defense to stop him once they decided to go for it? On fourth and one, I did not give them a great chance to stop him, especially after seeing them rack up 201 yards uh, on the ground, uh, I think, to that point in that game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they were without Dalvin Cook, their best running back, who had actually led the NFL in rushing over the first four weeks. But the guy who replaced him, Alexander Madison, was having a good game of his own. I think he actually finished with more rushing yards than Cook did, 112 to 65, as I take a peek at the stat sheet here. So with as much trouble as they had had stopping the run, I I thought it was an okay decision. And this is why, Mitch, I would never make either a good head coach (laughs) or a good radio host because I don't have strong opinions about this because I can see it both ways, right? You got to figure that one way or another, whether you kick the field goal or whether you, you don't get it, there's a good chance that Russell Wilson is going to drive uh, you know, to, to score a touchdown there. So I understand Mike Zimmer's thinking of wanting to, to extend that lead to, um, you know, to more than, a, more than what it would have been, which would have been seven points with the field goal. Right. Or I'm but sorry, It would have been eight points with a field eight goal. Points. But instead he goes for it. Somehow, someway, a defense that had been really taken advantage of and beaten all night steps up and makes a play, giving the ball to Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense in the driving rain at that point. Maybe you can explain. We all watched it on TV. You were there. You are there. Maybe you can explain the conditions under which they went 94 yards. How much of a shot did you give them considering all the circumstances? Yeah, I mean, it's going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I just was trying to get inside Mike Zimmer's head and and him, I'm assuming he was thinking there was a good chance Russell Wilson would have driven them down for a touchdown. In my mind, look, you can never count out Russell Wilson. He's done this literally more than any other quarterback in the NFL over his career. But you just mentioned it. You're talking about in the driving rain uh, on a night where really that offense had not done a whole lot. Yeah, they scored 21 straight points in the third quarter. But remember, two of those touchdowns were really set up pretty you know, nicely with good field position thanks to takeaways by the defense. So you know, outside of that third quarter stretch, that offense had really not done a whole lot in that game. And now you're talking about 94 yards, under two minutes left, only one timeout left. And again, in a driving rain. And I'm telling you, the view from the press box, this wasn't just like this 
rain was coming down. It looked like it rain was just being sprayed through the stadium by one of those mist machines that you see on the yeah. sidelines yeah. in hot games. Yeah. So you're talking about wind and rain. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, look, it's Russell Wilson, so you never count them out. But that, that's a lot to ask were you doing what he did. Were you surprised, Brady, that Chris Carson wasn't invited to the final party? The final drive, it was all Travis Homer in that whatever third down offense that Travis, Travis Homer is a part of in terms of the package. But I think you throw personnel out the window when it comes to the final drive. I, I want 32 in the game. I want him as an option to pop a run in there. I want him as an option to throw the ball to out of the backfield. I just want him as a threat that the defense has to think about. I was a little surprised, yeah. But at the same time, you're not in a situation like that. You're probably not going to be running the ball all that much with, you know, again, less than two minutes left and only one time out. And you do see teams switch to other, you know, change of pace tailbacks in those situations. It's kind of what the Seahawks did for years with Robert Turbin, where I think the idea is that you bring a guy in who you know is fresh, you know you're going to be going up tempo, and you know that running back's going to be running all over. So you maybe want a guy with some fresh legs in there, and they Homer had that, and also, you know, with the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. So that was the thinking there as far as I know it, yeah. but I was a little surprised myself. Yeah. And then there's DK Metcalf. I mean, I, I don't know what more to say. Every week there's another chapter to be written in the DK Metcalf story. He comes up with the huge fourth down play down the sidelines, which is really not much of a Russell Wilson play. Just throw the ball up and hope that DK Metcalf comes down with it. He does, extends the drive. Then he drops a ball that, in my estimation, was a much easier catch than the one that he actually caught a couple of plays later for the game winner. How do you put into words, maybe you can do a better job than I can, number 14 with the pacifier in his mouth, Brady? He looks like an absolute star in the making. Wilson is going his way a lot. Now, the thing that's a little concerning is 11 targets, only six catches because, you know, that the efficiency isn't quite there. And, and you mentioned the, you know, I don't know if you would call it a drop on, on that uh, second down play in the end zone. Looked like the ball might have got popped free from his hands. But he does seem to have a hard time, you know, converting his targets in, into catches, as many targets as he's getting. There was a couple of drops in the Atlanta game, obviously that blunder near the goal line uh, a couple weeks ago. But I think with DK Metcalf, you take the bad with the good, and there is a lot more good than there is bad five touchdowns this season he looks like a number one wide receiver on a team that already has a, another established number one wide receiver in Tyler Lockett and so I would ask you this how many other wide receivers would you trade for DK Metcalf right now a guy who is you know in his early 20s only five Very games cute. into his second season and really looks like the arrow is still pointing way way up for him how does Brady Henderson ESPN Seahawks insider follow him on ESPN.com and Twitter he's brought to you by Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app order ahead as I will do on Tuesday to get my free taco thanks to a great Chris Carson rumble into the end zone how does how does Brady Henderson explain what we saw in the first 30 minutes of that football game that first half I sat here I, I, I was in disbelief that this was the same Seahawks team offensively and even defensive, I mean, mostly offensively, that I had seen the first four weeks of the season. Yeah, you know, going into this game, you might have thought that if there's anything that could slow down an offense and a quarterback that has been red hot through four games, maybe it's the wet conditions, just because logically it's not easy to throw the ball and catch the ball in conditions like that. That said, 
it wasn't like balls were slipping out of Russell's hands. It wasn't like his receivers were dropping throws. So I don't know how much of that you could really attribute to the rain. It just looked like an offense that came out flat, like kind of, you know, like what we've seen a lot over the years. You know, we've we've seen them start really fast this season, but really the M.O., as we all know, right. that offense all too often would start slow. You know, I thought a, a critical play in the first half was that decision to basically wave the white flag. It was a third and 22 play. I believe they had uh, got knocked back by a sack and on third and 22 from inside Minnesota territory you saw them hand the ball off to Travis Homer is just kind of one of those plays where you're just basically trying to gain a few more yards before you punt the ball and not really trying to, to get, get the first the down yeah and it was an interesting decision when you contrast it with what the Vikings did I believe on uh, one or two possessions later where they kicked a field goal from uh, going towards that same side of the you know same end zone in CenturyLink field from I believe 52 yards and the Seahawks would have needed I think only you know a handful of yards in order to put themselves in situation for a, a you know the, the same length field goal so it really was a contrast of a contrast of decisions there in the Seahawks you know you've seen them make aggressive decisions trusting Wilson and trusting their offense as good as it's been this season that was not one of those yeah how do you explain the defense if we would have changed the last play the last Seahawks offensive play instead of a fourth down touchdown to DK Metcalf let's assume it was a throw that went incomplete and the Seahawks lost that game what would be the tenor of these types of chats on sports radio and on podcasts and on in print we would be talking about a defense that could not stop the Vikings run game over 200 yards rushing, I do believe, and a secondary that seems to be, I know that you might disagree, for me, playing very soft, Shaq playing very soft, Dunbar and Flowers playing very soft, Thielen was wide open whenever they wanted to throw little outs to him for 7 or 10 or 12 yards, he was 3 yards, 4 yards clear of the corner in that screen a, how bad was the was the defense not as bad as I thought it was on Sunday night? And B, can it get better as these weeks roll on in the bye week and such? I don't think the pass defense was as bad as you thought it was. The run defense was terrible, and that was really kind of um, a, a somewhat of a surprise to me because they came into this game allowing the third fewest yards per rush this season. Uh, they gave up 201 yards, I believe, in, in this game. And But the pass defense, I don't think, was as big of a problem. You know, I saw a lot of checkdowns from Kirk Cousins. I believe he only uh, finished with 249 passing yards on 39 attempts. And a lot of that was checkdowns and screen passes to the running backs that you really don't put that against. You don't put that on the secondary so much. I thought Shaquille Griffin, uh, for the second straight week, made a fantastic play. Really, the third straight week, uh, made a fantastic play with that pass breakup yeah. uh, against yeah. Thielen in the end zone. So, okay. yeah, they gave up some yards. You're right. Thielen was open. Thielen had a big game. I believe he had nine catches for 80 yards and a couple touchdowns. But uh, all in all, I think I think that the much bigger issue was the run defense than the pass defense. And the run defense has been pretty good the first four weeks up until that. They were only allowing about three and change a, a rush. How'd they come out of that game on Sunday night injury-wise and kind of look into your crystal ball? They get two weeks now until they have to play the Cardinals. Can we assume the majority, the vast majority of all those banged guys, banged up guys like Adams will be back? Yeah, we didn't hear of any new injuries from this game other than defensive tackle Anthony Rush leaving in the first half. He did not return. Didn't hear about any others. It sounds like they're going to get Jamal Adams back after the bye. That was what Pete Carroll said uh, on Friday. 
Friday, and really, that is uh, that that that's going to be a huge boost to this defense. All the issues that you see this defense has had over the last couple weeks, really over the season. But um, you got to take Adams' absence into account. There, he is was you know a player that they acquired to be a difference maker, and he was uh, while he was in there. Now their defense was still kind of bad, you know, over the first few games when he was in there. But he should help. And really, I think it was the right decision to sit him this week. I mentioned this in our chat last week, and I'll say it again. This is a year where you have to evaluate Adams. Remember, he's not signed beyond this season. So they're going to have a decision about whether or not to pay him. I think we all assume when they give up two first-round picks that they did so with an eye towards keeping him long-term. But they've really got to see him in their defense, and they're not going to get a proper evaluation if he is in and out of the starting lineup battling a groin injury for the rest of the season. So you get him three weeks off with the bye and uh, expect him to come back strong. And so I think it was the right decision. And ultimately, they're 5-0, and so you can't really argue with it. Freddie, let me put you on the hook at the end. Now that we're at the end and the bye week is here and the Seahawks will get a little healthier and they're 5-0, and the only 5-0 and team in the NFC with Green Bay having the, the off week. When you watch this team for five weeks, obviously offensively they're super spectacular. Does it look like a Super Bowl champion team to you or does it look like a good solid playoff team? It does look like a Super Bowl caliber team, but more so in the context of 2020. And what I mean by that is look around the rest of the division. First of all, uh, the 49ers are in crisis mode at two and three. They lost to the Dolphins at home on Sunday. Uh, the Cardinals are three and two. They potentially just lost Chandler Jones, maybe their best defensive player to a season ending injury. Um, and, and, you know, really the only other team in the division that is things seem to be going right for right now are the Rams at four and one and you've still got a game over them so you know we all know what happens when this team gets you know that first round by and home field advantage throughout the playoffs we've you know we've seen them do that in 2013 and 2014 and they made it to the Super Bowl each year so obviously a long ways away from that but just based on what's going on throughout the rest of the NFL and all the injury situations that other teams are having, uh, as bad as the 49ers have been, that was the team, remember, that we all would have thought was the biggest challenger to the Seahawks in the NFC West. So yep. Yep. it hasn't been perfect. It was an ugly win uh, in this game against Minnesota, but I would say that they're, they're sitting pretty at 5-0 and heading into their bye. Oh, it can't be any better. Who beat the 49ers again, Brady? I don't remember. Who beat them on Sunday? Again? That would be Mitch Levy's Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Who says they were left for dead last Sunday? They helped out. They helped out the Seattle Seahawks and all the Seattle Seahawks fans out there. Brady Henderson does a great job covering this team. Follow him on all week on Twitter. Brady Henderson, ESPN.com, Seahawks insider, and he's with us on Mitch Unfiltered all the time. He'll be back with us later in the week on the Seahawks Note Table. Thank you, Brady. Thanks for all your hard work, and we'll talk to you this week sometime. All right, you got it. Thanks, Mitch. So it's now officially bye week for the Seahawks, and there's Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks insider, who now makes multiple appearances each week on Unfiltered, loving the Seahawks note table with Brady, Joe Fan, and other guests as we debate the news and preview upcoming opponents for the patrons. Hey, look who's on Mitch Unfiltered. It's Jordan Flowers of the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. The fact that you have time to talk to me speaks volumes. You're very busy, you and your team these days. We are incredibly busy, but you know I always got time for you, Mitch. <laughs> Jordan, update me on the numbers. What are people finding through you guys in terms of 30-year fix, primary residence refis? 
Yeah, people are finding rates in the two and a half to three percent range on purchases for their primary residences, and they're finding interest rates in the two seven five to three percent range on range firm refis, and still three percent or under on cash out refinances. What number, if I have, does it make sense for me to call you guys or somebody else in your business? What number is too high for us these days in in, in a thirty year fix? Let's say. I really think if you're still sitting at over three and a quarter or so, you should at least give a call and look at what numbers might look at as far as the new 30-year if you want to lower payments or uh, even shortening that term up to a 15- or 20-year option. Is the market hot? Yeah, the the market's incredibly hot. Uh, inventory is still tight, so and buyers are wanting to take advantage of these low interest rates. Buyers are active. Um, housing is low as far as what's out there and available, so it's a it's a hot market there. And then everybody's calling about refinances, seeing how low they can get their interest rate right now. So I'm a Mitch Unfiltered listener. I'm hearing Jordan Flowers of the Kirkland Office of Gill Mortgage talk right now, and I want to connect with you, you or somebody on your growing team. How do I do that? Same two numbers. You can call my office line, 425-250-3145, and either myself or someone on the team will answer. Or you can call me or shoot me a text on my cell phone, 425-890-2957. A great partner, a great sponsor of Mitch Unfiltered, the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Throws right and it's knocked away. Incomplete. Amazing. LSU has no timeout, so they can't stop the clock. They hold on to the ball. What a win for Missouri. Allegra winds up. Picked down. And that's your ball game. Trey Brown. And that'll be the story of this game for Oklahoma. To win the game for Texas AM. If you're looking to try to make some money, I say you take the Temple Owls, who are right now a minus two and a half, minus three point pick over Navy. Out of the gun, Russo to tie the game. To Davis, knocked away, incomplete. Terrell Adams denies the pass. Navy, a Baduce 102 left. Our next guest on episode 112 is a friend. But after his Temple Owls encouragement on 111, if my dad was alive, he'd proclaim, Mitch, with friends like Neuheisel, who needs enemies? Taco <laughs> Time Northwest, which reminds you to order ahead, brings you Rick Neuheisel. I say to you that uh, the people in Las Vegas who put these lines together have a lot more experience at this than I. I had assumed that Rod Carey would have his bunch ready to play. And I had seen Navy maybe at their worst over the last couple of uh, uh, weeks when they got just ransacked by BYU, looked abysmal versus Air Force. Their rushing numbers were at 137 yards a game, Mitch, which tells me they're 
more than 50% off normal production in the run game. Uh-huh. And I thought that Kenny Niamatololo had a lot of way to go-go, if you will. <laughs> and, and so I said, this is, this is one of those things. I can help to find oh. people who uh, enjoy a visit to taco time. Let me see if they can double their order. And it just didn't work out this time. But don't give up on me. I'll, oh, I'll come up with some good I'm not going to give up on you, but I, I do have a couple of additional tidbits to throw out. First of all, there's nothing worse than being on one side and watching a team come up to the line of scrimmage for three hours and 15 minutes every single play and say, we're going to run the ball. There's no possibility of us throwing the ball. We're going to run it on first down. We're going to run it on second, third. And you know what? We're not going to punt. We're going to run it on fourth down. And watching the Temple Owls not be able to stop that. That was painful. I I didn't watch it as much of the game as you did. But on fourth and sixth, I did have my eye looking that way. And I said, I'm going to catch it from Mitch. I'm going to catch it. Well, I'll have you know that everything's okay. I told Max, my son who's at UW, to, to, to log on to the Bellevue College website this week. <laughs> I was going to say, junior colleges are, are really moving the needle now. And so by, don't worry so much, Max. And by the way, and by the way yes, you can't yes. go stay in the dorms where all the pretty girls are anyway <laughs> because they've got you, you know, socially distanced. So it's not as big a deal. You're, you're going to class online anyway. And don't think, New Heisel, for a second that Mitch Unfiltered listeners didn't also throw in on social media. Hey, how about his Florida pick? How about his? How about his? His contention that Miami was going to stay in there with Clemson until the very end. How about those? So I, I, I was told if I don't bring those up, that I'm not doing my job here on Mitch Unfiltered. Well, you know what? If we're going to just put me over the coals, we might as get the uh, spatula and turn me so that. Uh, and and, and, and I, I totally understand it. But let me let the record show. Yes. That when I'm right. Yes. And I will be right. <laughs> I will be right. I am going to have equal time. Yes. <laughs> as the nice senator from Washington. That's correct. And you were on a little bit of a you were a little bit of a heat streak. Yeah, I think you had made two in a row, right? So you're allowed a stinker every once in a while, just not too many of them. Now, before we get to all of these crazy happenings, most of which by the way in the SEC, uh, I've got to ask you. We had a co- we had a high school coach on years ago on our morning show who had gotten some publicity in Sports Illustrated with the way he approached a game. He never punted. He contended that the numbers say go for it on fourth down every time you get a chance. Go don't punt it. Just go for it on fourth down. Is it my imagination, or am I seeing this correctly that more and more, both on the college level and in the NFL? We're seeing coaches keep the offenses on the field in typical, what I would call back in the old days, punt situations. Right or wrong? Uh, You're absolutely right. Uh, Once again, Mitch has the keen perspective (laughs) on college athletics. Uh, Listen, analytics are creeping into everything. Whether you're watching basketball and the three-point shot, whether you're watching baseball and the home run strikeout ratio, uh, everybody's got the computer out to figure out what's the best way to attack and what's the best way to find a way to win. Fourth down conversion percentages being what they are, you're seeing a lot of coaches, especially when they feel like they're overmatched in terms of an opponent, much like Lane Kiffin last night and his old Miss uh, Rebels against uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. He realized he couldn't 
kick field goals. He had to go for it. And unless it was just ridiculous to try to go for it on fourth down, he was going to. And you're seeing a lot of that in college football now. And, and uh, the numbers are bearing it out. It's it turns out, turning out to be a good decision. I've busted your chops about your picks this week. I'm going to give you a shot to be pardoned, to be completely pardoned without even having to pick a game correctly this week on Mitch Unfiltered. And here's how you can do so. When you were a kid and you turned on Johnny Carson, you watched Johnny at times go into the stands, go into the crowd, go into the into the patrons, and he would play a game called Stump the Band. Do you remember? He I had- do. I do. <laughs> okay. We're going to play a little Stump the Band. You're going to be the band, and I'm going to try to stump you. There were seven SEC games on Saturday, Rick Neuheisel. Seven SEC. So all 14. There's 14 teams in the SEC. That's correct. Seven SEC games. If you can tell me the total yards – Total yards gained in those seven SEC games, let's say closest to the pin. Let's say if you can get to within <laughs> a couple of hundred of the right number, I have totaled every yard gained by the offenses, by the 14 teams in the seven games. Take a guess how many total yards were gained in the SEC on Saturday. Well, we broke a record in the uh, <laughs> Ole Miss-Alabama game, which that went well over 1,200 yards. 1,370, if you'd like to Thir- know. 1,370, 1370. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> For a man who stayed up and totaled it all, I appreciate the math. I'm going to say the number is somewhere at the 5,500 yards. Okay, 883 in Arkansas-Auburn, 1,370 in Mississippi-Alabama. 645 Tennessee, Georgia, 945 Florida, Texas A&M, 1065 Missouri and LSU, 734 South Carolina and Vandy, and four, a mere 452 in the Pirates game, Mississippi State against Kentucky. For a grand total, Rick Neuheisel, of 6,094 yards, an average of 870 total yards per game. 870 yards per game. I thought they played defense in the SEC, and I thought that defense wins championships. You and I are both shocked by the numbers <laughs> because I actually did a little study today myself. Uh, and, and, you know, as I look back on Saturday's games, yeah. you sit and you think about this. Right now, there are 130 teams in Division One football, okay? Yep. Now, all of them are not playing right now, okay? So now the numbers are 73, I think, is the number, and then we'll have the others that will join. So 73rd right now is Ole Miss. That's dead last. Seven, uh, 69th is Florida. That's, that's uh, abysmal for the Gators. Mm-hmm. 68th, LSU. Mm-hmm. Five more down at 63rd, Alabama. Mm. Nine more down at uh, 54th, Vanderbilt. What happened? What? What? How, how did this happen? They Four have, more the, down at 50, Missouri. Rick, every time I pick up the <laughs> newspaper and I see greatest defensive high school player in the country decides to go to, it's always an SEC school. The best defensive high school players every year – go to SEC schools. If they don't go to LSU, they go to Alabama. If they don't go to Alabama and they want to stay in the state of Florida, they go to Florida. How is this po- – is it because the offenses are so good or did they 
do they forget how to play deep? Do they not care? Do they just want to outscore you? It's the Big 12 all over again in the SEC. Let's let's point at COVID. Let's point at COVID as maybe a culprit here. Okay. Uh, because of no spring ball, because of uh, no real scrimmage time, I think tackling's behind. I think tackling's behind. Okay. And so I'll see if my theory is right as we get a little for, uh, further into the season, and we call it now midseason. We'll see if it changes. But I think that's that's a culprit. Okay. There is certainly an influx of gurus offensively into the SEC as they realize that you know offense is is fun, right? Yep. It's like the old commercial: reading is fun, offense is fun, right? And so Lane Kiffin. Steve Sarkeesian, Kendall Bryles, uh, heck, Scott Linehan. You all remember Scott sure, Linehan. Sure, we do. Sure, we do. Yeah, Scott yeah. Linehan's now at LSU. Uh, there are a number of West Coast guys who cut their teeth moving the ball out on the West now in the SEC. Uh, so that's happening. Uh, the RPO has proliferated as more and more people have come uh, – conversant with it it's it's become a language unto itself and the skill at wide receiver is now matching the skill of the defensive line meaning that these kids the yards after catch are off the charts wow uh so i think we're just seeing a proliferation but only one team in the sec that being the georgia bulldogs yeah yeah. in the top half yeah. of college football defensively. You told us last week that you liked Georgia's defense, and we'll get to them in a second. How much are these defensive coordinators getting paid in the SEC on the average? $2.3 million <laughs> is Bo Pelini. And for that, oh. he's only four teams have a worse defense than he. Only four. I would have done so, it for one seven, Rick. I knew you would have. And I, I told Ed as he was munching on his jambalaya that I said, you know, Mitch will do it for less. Uh, do it for less. How about the controversy in the Auburn-Arkansas game? Everybody probably has seen the highlight by now. They're trying to stop the clock. The quarterback fumbles. And then he tries to spike the ball and he throws the ball backwards. It looks like the spike is backwards. How much of a gripe does Arkansas have uh, for what happened? They have have a monster gripe. It was a terrible, terrible call and a terrible ruling in my mind. Now, they defend themselves, and I'll tell you how in a moment. But uh, Saturday night, that play cost Arkansas the football game. And it's, it's terrible because Sam Pittman is trying to rebuild a culture. Uh, he went on the road and won at Mississippi State a week ago in a game no one gave him a chance in. And then to go uh, to Jordan-Hare there at Auburn and to almost steal one as well would have been just a huge start for the Razorbacks. So what happens is Bo Nix, the quarterback, drops the snap which no longer allows him the luxury of spiking the ball. That now would become intentional grounding. Yes. But instead of spiking the ball forward, as we always teach that to happen, he turns as he picks up the fumble and turns his shoulder is back to the line of scrimmage and spikes it. So now it's basically a backward pass or a fumble. The rule is, uh, and what the SEC uh, put out in a statement was there was not, uh, because the recovery of the football was not clearly made in the immediate continuing football action, yeah. ruling on the field then was determined to stand. Both, back, both the backward pass and the immediate clear recovery were necessary to overrule what was called on the field because the whistles blew. 
But what I would tell you is that Joe Foucha, who was playing defensive back for Arkansas, was as immediate as you could be in trying to recover that football and ultimately did in the continuing action. So I don't know what the definition of immediate is. We've all seen that guy who scores the touchdown, or at least we all think scores the touchdown and lets the ball go in celebration that on the one or two yard line and the ball just lays there. And because of it, it becomes a touchdown because no one goes and jumps on the ball. But in this case, Joe Foucha is in a screaming hurry to recover that ball and does so. Uh-huh. And I don't, I don't understand how they rule what they rule here because I don't know how more immediate Joe Foucha could have been. Isn't there an expression CYA, maybe immediate in the SEC? Uh, the definition is covering your backside. No, absolutely, uh, yeah. absolutely. And and uh, you know, as you look at it, you know, if you're not absolutely clairvoyant. Now, to be fair to the officials on the field, they are in communication in the SEC with a command center that I believe is in Birmingham. Oh, so they're getting help. I just don't know if the problem was too big or there's not a clear enough definition of immediate, but uh, don't say Joe Fauci didn't understand what was going on. Well, while the Auburn quarterback is fumbling the ball and spiking it backwards, we've got a Georgia player squirting water at a Tennessee quarterback on the sidelines. Now, is that a tactic that coach Rick Neuheisel used at either Colorado, Washington, or UCLA, maybe when you're the quarterback's coach in Baltimore, maybe you taught your your Ravens. That's not even a tactic I used when I was four. You know, this 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 is immature, sophomore, as I think the great Keith Jackson would have called it. Um, you know, Kirby's got an issue here because the kid George Pickens was the culprit here. Uh, is a tremendously talented guy. He had double digit receptions in the Sugar Bowl last year. He's clearly their best player at wide receiver. Uh, although this Kiaris Jackson is kind of becoming a star also at that position. But this is the second time now he's become a focal point for reasons unbecoming uh, while, while at Georgia. Remember, he got in a fight in the first half of the Georgia Tech game last year, which cost him the first half oh, of the SEC that. championship I do game. remember that now. That, yeah. This is the same kid. Same guy. And, and, and he has to learn how to be a team guy and how to be more mature. And now the game is against Alabama. I can't imagine uh, what Kirby's going through in terms of trying to determine discipline for George as he tries to make this guy not only a better player and a better teammate, but also a better person. Coach Nick Saban. By the way, it's brought to you by Taco Time. Rick Neuheisel each and every week on Mitch Unfiltered. Rick Nick Saban watched his team give up, I don't know, what was it, 63 to 45, something like that, 50-something points. And he says after the game that it seemed like they were stealing our defensive plays. Now, <laughs> what's interesting about this is, and, I, and I, I, don't, I don't contend to be the world's most knowledgeable football guy. I have been watching for, I don't know, 45 years now pretty seriously. I've heard of stealing offensive plays. I'm not sure that I've ever heard, at least publicly, the uh, the contention that somebody was stealing our defensive plays. And his former assistant, Kiffin, posts on Twitter, I guess it was on Sunday, that Kiffin responds by saying, FYI, when you go as fast as we do, we call our play first. Stealing <laughs> signals wouldn't help us at all because we are snapping the ball while they were still trying to just line up. Hashtag facts. 
What do you think of Saban and his coaching staff and his players, by the way, convinced Kiffin was stealing defensive plays? It pains me. <laughs> it pains me to do this, but I'm going to side with Lane Kiffin here. Okay. <laughs> when you're when you're going as fast as they go, there's no way you're sitting there looking at the signs from Pete Golding on the sideline. And by the way, despite the fact that the head ball coach at Alabama had a mask on on Saturday night, it, when you see little Napoleon fold his arms <laughs> and you see Pete Golding look as uncomfortable as he did, oh. mask or no mask, that is the most lonely place oh. in the world. The most lonely place in the world. Yeah, there were a couple of examples this week in the SEC where I thought coaches said things that sounded awful excuse-ish, and it just didn't go over well. Mike Leach. Uh, Mike Leach. Well, three, actually. Mike Leach, yeah. you know, he's going to now take it out on his players. He's done he's this before, right? He's done this yeah. before. He says, yeah. we're we all heard the fat girlfriend right. speech. <laughs> right? Right. We're going to have to check some of our group and figure out who really wants to play here. His team scored two points, by the way, because any malcontents, we're going to have to purge a couple of those. That was Mike Leach after his team scored two against Kentucky. Yeah, the, the learning curve of how to corral the Leach offense is not a hard one if you just study what Jimmy Lake and Chris Peterson did. And now people have. They actually went out of their way and studied some film. And so you've gone from 623 to 325, now to 275 in terms of passing yardage. And in each of those games, I think the least amount of turnovers they've had is four. Uh-huh. So Mike's got some real fixing to do on the coaching side before he worries about his malcontents. Uh-huh. Dan Mullen, to say that the f- crowd at, yes. at A&M yes. factored in, and now he wants a full crowd, swamp. a packed house in the swamp, yes. despite what we're dealing with with COVID-19. Yeah. Come on, Dan. I mean, maybe go over to the defensive coordinator, Todd Grantham, who's also making 2.3. <laughs> And Florida has only five schools ahead of them, LSU and Ole Miss, two of them that are worse defensively, and say maybe we could stop somebody on third down because the Aggies were 12 of 15 on third down. crowd had nothing to do with that, Rick Neuheisel. The crowd had nothing to do with it. So no need to go there. And and for the guy who I would consider the greatest of all times at what he does in, in Nick Saban, please, please don't last year tell me that they fooled you on the punt with Auburn and that the officials should have given you a pass. No, don't do that. You know the game as well as anybody, and don't say that they're stealing your signals because it's on you to change your, your signals then. Yeah. It's on you. Yeah. It's, it, uh, it's not Houston Astro-ish. It's not cameras. It's not, it's not sophisticated <laughs> you know, s- cyber uh, espionage that's going on here. Just, just play good football and uh, fix it when it's broken. Houston Astro-ish. As an adjective, ladies and gentlemen, only Rick Neuheisel can pull that off. Now, before we get your pick, I watched the Clemson-Miami game. I was pulling from Miami to make it a game to have some excitement down the stretch, but Clemson made that one a laugher. And I know I have several weeks to ask you this, and you have several weeks to come to an answer on this, so I don't even know why I'm bringing it up. But I look at Clemson's, I cl- I look at Clemson's schedule, Rick. I see Notre Dame on the 7th. November 7th. Uh, I think I saw a Virginia Tech game maybe. I, who's, 
Is anybody going to give them a game? Is anybody going to give Clemson a game? And does it even matter? Can, I guess maybe with the abbreviated schedules, you're going to tell me, no, 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 Mitch, not like in previous years where you can afford to lose one. You can't lose one because in Ohio State, or there's going to be three or four teams unbeaten. Maybe there are, maybe there aren't. Clemson is as advertised. Uh, there were three stars on Saturday night. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was, as we've come to know and love him, uh, Travis Etienne finally became the focal point of the offense and looked the part with a 72-yard scamper. And Brent Venables. Brent Venables was fantastic, holding Miami to less than 300 yards of offense. And and 56 of that was a scramble run by De'Ara King. Th- this is a really good football team. It does not have a star receiver right now, which may end up being its Achilles heel when it gets to uh, the promised land and plays against the very good teams. But neither does Notre Dame as you point out to that early November game, Notre Dame is a, you know, ground and pound well over 300 yards of rushing in this game against Florida state. And they're going to continue to do that because Tommy Reese, their young offensive coordinator doesn't have a game breaker out there at wide receiver, at least at this point, no one's come to the four. So uh, Ian book's going to be used sparingly in the run game to keep that thing going, but it's about uh, moving the chains right now for Notre Dame. Okay. Pick time. You owe us. Max wants to go back to UW. He's at uh, Bellevue College this week because of Rick Neuheisel's Temple pick of a week ago, though you had hit two in a row, I will say that. And last week you you peaked, although you said, give me some time. I don't have to do anything yet with Georgia-Alabama. You peaked at Georgia-Alabama. We get that game uh, this week at uh, at 5 o'clock Pacific time, 8 Eastern on CBS. Georgia and Alabama. Georgia's got the best defense in the conference, one of the better defenses we think. You, in saw, the that I, you saw that I put on a Stetson in honor of Stetson Bennett the fourth. <laughs> I did at not. At the conclusion of that game. Yeah, I put on a Stetson. <laughs> I said it was either this or put Stetson Cologne on, and both my partners there on CBS uh, thought I chose wisely. Okay, but, I did uh, not see that. I'm sorry yeah. I missed that. Uh, I did. Are you, are you, are you willing to make that your pick that game that's the that's the marquee game of the week or are you going to go off the board as you did a week ago and just find what you thought was a diamond in the rough but then when you when you pulled it out of the you, rough <laughs> I'm, go- I'm going to take you to Columbia South Carolina you are okay yes the uh, Gamecocks got on the winning side of things against Vanderbilt a team that only had 56 scholarship athletes at their disposal poor Derek Mason as he tries to keep the Commodores afloat but they're going home and they're taking on Auburn and Chad Morris and uh, Bo Nix that relationship hasn't flourished into uh, the wonderful uh, offense that I think uh, Gus Malzahn had in had in mind they are right now a slight favorite in that game I think South Carolina with Colin Hill, the transfer quarterback from Colorado State who came along with Mike Bobo, the offensive coordinator uh, there at South Carolina, formerly the head coach at Colorado State. I think they, along with their running back, who had 170 plus in this game against Vandy, I think they find a way to beat War Eagle at home. That would be my pick this week. Okay, so we must be getting points. Are we getting? I, I don't. I, I don't. I have think the you're number. getting a couple of points. Okay. I think. I think it's like uh, two. Okay. But I think they're going to win the game. Win the game outright. And, and, okay. Yeah, I think they're going to win the game. The other game that I'll just kind of give a little hint and a nod toward, <laughs> <laughs> because when both come through, I'm going to take my time. Is is uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas? I think Ooh. Ole Miss is at Boy, Arkansas. You are just staying in the SEC, aren't you? 
Well, I'm, I'm looking about, I love coastal Carolina on a Wednesday night. If you want that one too, coastal Carolina traveling to Louisiana, Billy Napier, you know, hotter than Texas chili as a young coach there with the raging Cajuns having beaten Iowa state. And you've seen what Iowa state is doing, but, uh, I love this coastal Carolina kid, Grayson McCall, their little freshman quarterback. That's a guy to watch. Okay. But, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I, I think that, uh, that, Ole Miss, I love this this quarterback right now and how well he's doing for Lane Kiffin. Okay. Uh, I, I think uh, that game, I think they're better than Felipe Franks in Arkansas on a shootout. Okay, so South Carolina, Ole Miss, and Coastal Carolina. But you're, There you have it. But you're official, it's a trifecta. But, you're, <laughs> but your official pick... Your official pick is South Carolina. I'm leaning on the Gamecocks. Must champs got to win at home. It's important. <laughs> uh, terrific stuff. Rick Neuheisel each and every week. He's great to us. I'm Mitch Unfiltered. Brought to you by Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app. Order ahead and your meal will be waiting for you just inside the front door. Thank you, Rick. Talk to you next week. Looking forward to it, my friend. Okay, not the best weekend for those of us that, shall we say, listen closely to what Rick Neuheisel suspects will happen in certain games that week. I fear not. No one's crystal ball is more accurate when it comes to college football than Rick Neuheisel. Our next guest on Mitch Unfiltered, the CEO of the incredibly busy partner of ours, Evergreen Golf Call, Tyler Hay. Tyler, every time I turn around, I see an article in the Puget Sound Business Journal about exciting things happening at your place. What's going on over there? Yeah, Mitch, we just recently acquired a accounting firm, actually Mercer Island based. They've been in business for over 40 years. We just thought that adding an accounting piece to what we do on the wealth management side would make us kind of a one-stop shop for clients. And people like simplicity these days, so we thought it would help simplify people's lives. Did I also read, Tyler, about a fund that you guys raised to invest in local Puget Sound technology companies? Yeah, we also did that. There was uh, an article we invested in a um, in a local firm called Fuse. They're a venture capital uh, fund that invests in local tech startups. And so we created a partnership with them. And actually, Bobby Widener, the Seahawks, is involved with that. And there was a pretty cool article on ESPN for your listeners who want to do some light reading. They can find it. And it's exciting. We're, we're excited to be a part of, of what they're doing. Every time I talk to Tyler Hay in person, I almost feel like I'm, I'm speaking with somebody who knows more about sports than I do. So let's get some picks from you. The NFL season is here. The NBA's postseason is revved up. I want an NBA champion and a, a Super Bowl champion. Stick your neck out for once in your life, Tyler Hay. All right. Uh, I'll go with uh, – I know I know he's not a loved guy by all, all your listeners, but I'll go with LeBron and the Lakers in the NBA. Sorry to disappoint those that are LeBron haters. And then I like the hometown. I like the Hawks. Oh, I think they're going to make on. a run. I know oh, it's a homer stop pick. It. No. Oh, my God. Hey, 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 Mitch, they're 18-1. <laughs> to 1. Find me better Super Bowl odds than that. Okay. All right. 18-1 to 1 on the Seahawks. And as always, we like to say the first step – to learning about all the great work that happens at Evergreen Golf Call is the website, evergreengk.com, and the free newsletter, correct? That's the way to do it. Yep. We appreciate all your support too, Mitch. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager here in the Northwest. Unfiltered. He's closing up his story. States take the bronze and the world record is gone. Oscar Pistorius has anchored South Africa to a new world record. 
Oscar Pistorius and Riva Steenkamp were one of the world's hot couples. Think David and Victoria, or Brad and Angelina. But now the Paralympic superstar runner is accused of murdering his bombshell cover girl on Valentine's Day. If you are an ESPN Plus subscriber, you have at your fingertips a four-part 30 for 30 documentary called The Life and Trials of Oscar Pistorius. You know the story. You should know the story. Directed by Dan Gordon, who's taken some time out of his day and evening in Sheffield, England, to be with us here on Mitch Hunt. Where is Sheffield, England? Give us a little geography lesson. Two for the price of one, Dan. <laughs> sure. She- Sheffield is the Pittsburgh equivalent of, uh, of England. It's the steel-making capital, famous for steel and cutlery. You'll know the, the cutlery that's made in Sheffield. It's in the north of England, but in terms of Britain, it's bang in the middle. You're never more than 75 miles from the sea in England, and we're 70 miles from yeah. the sea. Yeah, um, yeah. so it's... Uh, yeah, we're, we're in the north of England. It's the home of the Full Monty, if you know the story, if you know the film. Yeah. Uh, the Full Monty yeah. is Sheffield. Yeah, and you've done, what, three or four different 30 for 30 documentaries? Yeah. Is your third or fourth? Yeah. yeah. This is my fourth. Okay. This is my fourth. Okay. Um, yeah. They, they at one point during your piece, somebody proclaims the O.J. Simpson of South Africa a four-part series on this super complex figure, Dan, who captured the world's attention and admiration leading up to the 2012 Summer Olympics as a double amputee to compete on South Africa's relay team. And now he remains in prison for the murder of his girlfriend. When, when did you realize this can't be done in one like most 30 for 30s? And why do you think this man is so multi-layered and interesting? Well, the, the, the conversation actually happened four years ago, the initial conversation. We were at the London Film Festival with my last 30 for 30, a film called George Best All By Himself, which is about Britain's first soccer pop star uh, from the 1960s who, who died aged 59, um, uh, an alcoholic. Um, and the OJ film had just been on uh, ESPN, uh, the previous summer, and they they were looking at what could be their next equivalent, and and by that you know more than a feature length. My previous thirty thirty from that was the Hillsborough Stadium disaster story, and that was two hours long. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, it's it's very easy to make the comparison between OJ and Oscar, and and that was made. But what I felt the OJ film enabled filmmakers to do was to take a story that is multi-layered and, and Oscar absolutely fits that bill. You've got, you know, on a personal level, he was only 26 when, you know, when he shot his girlfriend dead, he was, um, you know, the, the most famous, arguably the, the, the most successful Paralympian of all time had gone from, you know, his legs were amputated at 11 months old. He'd grown up um, believing and being told he wasn't disabled. He was differently abled. Mm-hmm. He fought for the right, uh, fought the um, the governing, the world governing body of athletics for the right to compete against able-bodied athletes. He'd won that right. He'd initially lost that and then won it. Um, and this was his first Olympics, 2012. Again, the biggest Olympics of the modern era. Um, and, and he races in the 400 meters. He, he raced in the relay, but he, he, he raced in, the, in the, the actual 400 meters straight. He got to the semi-final as a double amputee. Um, everything that the Olympics is about, all that inspiration, all that overcoming adversity, 
in a country of South Africa, which only became, you know, a full democracy in 1994, has got a tremendously violent um, situation uh, at the moment. He grew up, you know, during apartheid era where, you know, there was a a complete racial divide uh, and racial dominance by, you know, very supremely racist uh, white government. Um, And, you know, he grew up through that change and was an inspiration uh, through his athleticism yeah. and through his sporting prowess, it's complete inspiration yeah. to the country yeah, yeah. and was everything that they loved. Yeah, and and you, in a recent interview, I noticed you were used the word incredible and you went on to say that you hate the word incredible. <laughs> um, I don't know, Dan, that people like me can fully grasp the magnitude of his appeal in those years leading up to the Olympics. Can you try to explain it, describe it? Yeah, and, and I was always told when I was writing never to use the word incredible. So I remembered, you know, and it came out of my mouth and I was like, please don't say that word. Um, but no, I mean, he, you know, a, a double leg amputee, you know, suffers enough uh, in their daily life trying to get around, trying to, you know, the sores on their stumps, the bleeding, the infections, just... Uh, all, all the adversity that they have to overcome just to exist, uh, and what he did was was do that and then go around on, mm. on an athletics track and mm. and and beat able-bodied athletes. And it's an incredible thing. I, I was I'd never seen a, a, a double amputee run before until we made this film. And you know we were, we were fortunate enough to to have a couple of of the current uh, US guys um, run for us and, and, and show us what it's like and. And it was just, yeah, it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling and, and right. inspiring to, to watch that. So to, to, to do that is one thing, to do that on a world stage and then to go into the Olympic Stadium with 80,000 people and perform, um, I think that was his appeal. And, and I think um, he was outwardly, in all his press, he was a very, or seemed to be, a very nice guy, a very regular guy whilst doing all these incredible things very humble right always came across as humble right. he had this certain public and um, media persona and as the film finds out it was obviously very different um behind behind right. closed doors right. you know many of us dan remember the fight that he endured just to be allowed to compete Critics said what the blades were an unfair advantage. Yeah. Now that yeah. you've explored, what was the real motivation for those that opposed his involvement? What were they really scared of, do you think? I think there were two um it was split really into two camps. I think those who instinctively did not want disabled athletes competing against able-bodied athletes in case the technology later became a genuine advantage. You would imagine that there is no way on earth anyone without legs has an unfair advantage over someone with, you know, with, with, with full biological limbs. It just doesn't work like that. But what they were saying was, you know, maybe the technology will become something else in the future. We interviewed all the scientists involved in all that testing and even the scientists that were employed on Pistoria's side mm-hmm argued after they saw the data about whether there was an advantage or not no advantage or whether there was an overall advantage or an overall disadvantage they could not agree um you know the 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 biological limbs weigh less than the blades Mm -hmm. so there's a potential advantage you're lighter you can take more steps your step frequency is more it it was um an incredible argument um but most people who were looking at it you know, we had a, a brilliant um, 
Paralympian, a US Paralympian called Brian Fraser, who is also a prosthetist, who was just going, it, it just felt like you're picking on a disabled kid. Um, and, and that was from, from the Paralympic movement. And, um, you know, it, it, again, I, instinctively, I just felt personally, there's no way you can have an advantage if you have no legs. Correct. It's, it's as simple as that. Correct. The science can argue both ways and, and, and still to this day is not really conclusive right. one way or right. the other. Oscar Pistorius, everybody remembers a four-part 30 for 30 documentary called The Life and Trials of Oscar Pistorius from our director that's with us, Dan Gordon. Dan, there was a recent film done on HBO. I don't know if you saw it. It was called The Weight of Gold that focused on the common depression that follows the Olympics for many of these athletes. We've spent lots and lots of time with Apollo Ono on the subject on our show. Do you think before we get to Valentine's Day 2013, do you think that's in play here with Oscar, someone who physically struggled with some of life's simplest things that the rest of us take for granted, and then after 2012, when the spotlight faded, that maybe he struggled with that a little bit? It's not quite that, but he certainly struggled with depression. He certainly struggled with loneliness whilst traveling. I've done so many films now on elite athletes. Um, I haven't seen The Weight of God, but it really does ring true. it's, uh, It's incredible. There is such a difference between the people that you meet off the track, off the field, you know, off the away from the the arena, um, and what they struggle with, you know, daily, and then they put themselves into this theatre and somehow perform miracles for us mere mortals to cheer and worship them. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, so many stories are, you know, the, the George Best that I was talking about before, a guy who was, you know, twenty one at the height of his fame and descended into alcoholism, um, and. Yeah, I think with with Oscar, there, there was um, both uh, this this depression and loneliness. His mum died when he was 15. He was estranged from his dad. He didn't really have a father figure to look to. Um, he didn't have his mum guiding him, and she was a, a real, you know, a genuine sort of angel to him. Um, and then I think after the Olympics, he kind of seemed to actually, rather than um, get depressed because the spotlight was off him, it seemed a little bit more that he went um, not off, not so much off the rails, but started hanging out with the wrong crowd, right, right. the attractive, sexy crowd that right. was just going to get into all sorts of trouble. Which is what what happened. He, he he had certain threats made on his life by you know some some uh, dodgy characters in in Johannesburg um, who he'd got involved with and fallen out with. And, and that's where you know his life began to spiral. So he dates this gal for three or four months. It's Valentine's Day 2013. Everybody might remember. Um, he says uh, there's no question that he shot her dead three or four different bullets. Um, he said that he thought she was a burglar. The authorities scoff at that alibi. You have said, I'm going to push you a little bit here, Dan, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. You, you have said over and over when asked in all these interviews, that you think it depends upon which part of the film you're watching <laughs> yeah. uh, when we when we press you for what do you think. That sounds like a convenient answer from a director of a film who doesn't <laughs> want to take a side. I'm just going to call but it what it is. That said, that seems yeah, very no, skeptical it's, it's, on on that. It's fair enough, and 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 you know when I when I first started making the film, my my sort of pitch really was I want the 
sort of, you know, what happened on the night to be the least interesting part of the film, because then I'll have felt that I'll have made a great film. Um, and But you are left, you just don't know. You just don't know that there's times when you, you also have to be, so it's, it's really, really implausible, the burglar story to anyone from England, and I guess to quite a number of people in America. In South Africa, the violence is such, and the they call it home invasion. They don't call it burglary um, because it is a home invasion and often it's often uh, accompanied by violence and death. There are 20,000 homicides a year in South Africa. Um, so the, the shooter, a burglar, it's not such a ridiculous idea as it might seem to someone like myself from England. Um, that said, uh, you know, he was, uh, th th there are uh, girlfriends that came before Reva Steenkamp who, you know, spoke of, of this controlling behaviour uh -huh. uh, of, of, of a sort of a, a, a darkness that was lying underneath. Um, you know, there, there were confrontations with people. There were, he had a temper. Undoubtedly, he'd snapped at people before. Whether that then goes to the next level of, of shooting someone dead after an argument um again there's no there's no evidence no evidence was ever presented in court right. that substantiated that there'd been an argument so it, it's you know it, it really does depend you, you kind of sometimes when you're watching the film um and, and this is said genuinely but you're watching the film and you think you know he's such a nice guy there's no way that he would have done that and then you watch another part of the film and you go you know what he was really losing it he was awful with women uh, he definitely did it. And then you'll watch another part of the film just after that and go, yeah, well, I know all that, but just because you have a temper doesn't mean that, you know, you, you shot someone. So, right. you know, it, you, you do end up having this, this you know, back and forth with yourself, which is why the case was so compelling for people. What about the rumor? Wasn't there a a rumor floating around that she had received a text or a tweet from a boyfriend, mm. a former boyfriend, maybe yeah. even a former athlete or a, a professional athlete in Europe. Yeah. Wasn't that the... Yeah, story? a rugby player. He's a South African rugby player who's based in England, or certainly at the time he was based in Europe. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the, the police... Uh, it's, not in, it's not in the film, but the, the police said absolutely that didn't happen. Okay. Um, okay. They, 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 they didn't say that he received an email or a tweet or something from a girlfriend, but that the rumor that originally started of she'd received something and that had set it off, that was absolutely categorically bad by the police who investigated it. it. So again, it's a great story, but it didn't stand up. Oscar Pistorius, uh, who remains in jail after the shooting of his girlfriend three or four months, uh, a girlfriend, and when will he be released? What kind of life do you expect him to lead now that you've kind of done all this research for years and years on the type of human being he is. And uh, I guess part B of this or part C, I've lost count, would mm -hmm. be, would be um, did you ask Oscar to participate? Did you want Oscar to participate in this series of documentaries? And what was his reaction to that interest? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try and deal with those probably in reverse order because I remember the last one first. <laughs> um, the, uh, in terms of Oscar's participation, yes, we, we asked him. Um, he's aware of the project. I think the the nature of his sentence means that he can't deal with the media um, uh, per se, but uh, he knows of the project and anyone that was unsure of whether to participate and wanted Oscar's permission to participate when they went to him, he okayed it. So I think he's, without having any input or any editorial, he was supportive of the project. 
as was his family and as actually were um, were Reva Steenkamp's family, they were very supportive of what we were trying to do. And it was important for me to, to have to have that as well. Um, in terms of Oscar's life afterwards, um, I mean, who knows? It really depends on, on both the type of person that comes out of jail versus the type of person that, that first went in. When? When does he come out? Years ago. And when, uh, when is an unanswered, unanswered question from um, the prosecuting authority in South Africa? It has been asked. Uh, people are trying to calculate the earliest he would be eligible for parole would be around 2023. Uh-huh. So whether that actually happens or not um, is debatable. There's, in South Africa, certainly as far as the prosecution are concerned, he's the golden boy of gender-based violence, and that's a huge political issue in South Africa at the moment. And so it's unlikely to... to be such an early one. The voice of Dan Gordon, who directed this uh, 30 for 30 documentary. It's a four-part series called The Life and Trials of Oscar Pistorius. It's his third of uh, of this series, and you can see it on ESPN+. Plus. Let's finish with this, uh, Dan. I know that you've been asked this before. You know, whenever in society we come across people in life that have done so much good for so many, and then they fall... The rest of us, in an Oscars case, the disabled community, left with how we kind of weigh one versus the other. You have visited with so many that he inspired. Is there a conclusion to how we deal with both stories of of Oscar Pistorius? Yeah, I think the the people, what I noticed was the people who knew Oscar maybe before 2011, when he really shot to fame, when he first competed in in the world championships in Daegu and he he started really making, certainly after 2012, the people before that era absolutely stand by him. No matter what he's done, he's either an inspiration or a friend or someone that will always be welcome with open arms to them. The people that came afterwards dropped him as soon as they could. Um, and I think within that, you kind of sort of see true friendship. And there are, you know, there are a lot of people who openly admit what he did was wrong and indefensible, and he will have to live with that forever. Um, but they, they will stand by him. Um, you know, we, we went to Iceland and, and met with a family that was inspired by him. They, they had a, a child who had exactly the same condition. And Oscar was amazing with that kid as, as part of an inspiration. We met with so many, you know, athletes from the Paralympic movement who were inspired to do what they did because of Oscar. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. It's always hard. Whenever you see these great moments in his life, whenever you see him inspiring people, you unfortunately know where it ended. Um, and that's what's so difficult um, with, with the film. You always know, even at the greatest moment, whether he's at Athens getting an Olympic, uh, Paralympic gold, age 17, having just broken the world record, whether he goes and competes in the Olympics in London and he's amazing, whether he wins gold in 100, 200, 400 in Beijing Paralympics in 2008, you just know the tremendous sadness and tragedy is coming at some point. And so it's, it's very difficult, I think, for for many people not to to have one without the other. The Life and Trials of Oscar Pistorius, Dan Gordon, the director. Thank you, Dan. It's great to visit with you. I'm glad I was able to finally catch up with you after persevering. And I wish you <laughs> yeah. all the best, not only with this documentary on ESPN+, Plus, but all your future projects. I hope that our paths cross again. It was lovely. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was great. Great. Thanks, Mitch. The story of Oscar Pistorius from worldwide inspiration and sports hero to a jail cell after being found guilty of killing his girlfriend. 
That's Dan Gordon, you just heard, director of the 30 for 30 documentary airing now on ESPN+. It's always great on the Zeke's Pizza hotline to hear from Zeke's Pizza president, Dan Black. Dan, in the last couple of weeks since we visited last, what's up with Zeke's? Uh, Things are going well. Last time we talked, I mentioned to you that more people were out and about coming into our dining rooms, our patios. That trend has continued, so it's been fun. It's nice to see more people dining out, more people out downtown active. Like I say, the dining rooms and patios have been busier uh, than they've been in a long time, and, and that's been fun. I'm hearing rumblings about some new locations, maybe numbers 18 and 19 of Zeke's Pizza. Is that right, Dan? You heard right. We got a restaurant being built in Kenmore, which we're really excited about. We just signed a deal for Mill Creek, which we're really excited about. Uh, there's a couple others in process that if they come through, we'll be up to 21 total. And uh, what happened is people saw how well we did during COVID, our profile and our brand. The awareness of it was raised quite a bit uh, with the franchising community. They saw especially what we were doing on beer delivery. And so for the past six or eight weeks or so, we've We've had more people inquiring about franchises than we ever have. And so it's, it's pretty exciting to have this much momentum. Uh, it's good, good any time, but particularly in the time of COVID when, you know, a lot in our industry are basically on life support. So. What you mean to say is all these people have been hearing you guys on Mitch Unfiltered and hear Mitch talking about it and tweeting about it. And that's why the new locations are are, are rising, right? Exactly. We actually do get, you know, your 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 audience is definitely uh, super passionate, and and we love that. And we actually do get people talking about franchises and inquiring about it. And we, my guess is someday that'll actually happen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, what's the Dan Black family been eating these days in terms of Zeke's Pizza? What are your favorites? Yeah, you know, last time you asked, I mentioned our seasonal pies, the heirloom tomato stuff, which was really good. We actually, the Black family OD'd on those enough. We've gone back to ordering some stuff off for the regular menu. And so we've been doing Wood Butcher, Cherry Bomb, two of the classics. Those are really good. My wife, Molly, really likes the tie one on. She orders off the wine menu. I order off the beer menu. Zeke and Destroy and Hop Tropic are my favorite. She's been drinking the uh, La Cole Rosé since it's been sunny out. And so, yeah, we've kind of gone back to a few of the classics lately. All right, download the Zeke's Pizza app like the Blacks do, like the Levies do, like everybody else does. It's a great time of the year football season to order in from Zeke's Pizza. Zeke's Pizza is a great partner. They've been a great sponsor going back to the radio days, and they are homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Seahawks 5-0. and Yes, they are. After a 27-26. Is that what we decided it was? 27-26. 27-26 victory over... How do they know? I think the over-under was 53. Oh, is that right? I think oh, it was. I didn't know I, that. I think it was. How do they know? As Bino Cook used to say, that's why they live in big houses and send their kids <laughs> to Ivy League schools. Yeah. They made a deal with the devil at some point, and it's... They yeah. know. They, 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 some, they somehow know. They do Seahawks know. are winners. Lots of college football. Lots of NBA championship series stuff. You had French Open. What's on your plate? In the other stuff segment. You heard of Lane Kiffin? I have. Yeah. Did yeah. you see uh, his his facial, his masks that he was wearing for the game? No, I did not see the game. I did see the aftermath, the uh, the little shitting match, the crapping match between him and his old boss. I thought that's what you were going to bring up. No, I wasn't. I talked to New Heisel about that in segment number okay. two. Segment number three, I guess it would have been. Well, his first mask read Manning 1018, honoring former Ole Miss quarterback 
Eli. Yeah. But then he also put Peyton's number on it, who played at Tennessee for some reason. But yeah, yeah, yeah. In the second half, he changed his to Metcalf 14. Oh, he did now. He sure did. Did he have a pacifier? He should have. <laughs> on the way to your house, by the way, I heard Metcalf say that he, he's just trying. His dad told him if. You know, if you're going to be big and strong and tough, then you got to, you should act like it on the field. And he said, So that's what I do. And I was thinking, with the pacifier, <laughs> no, maybe we could get rid of that. If yeah, you're big going, baby. If you're going for that image. Uh, How do you like college football trivia really quick? Wait a second. Before you get past Lane Kiffin, yeah. you, you, you know that he, he played against his old boss, Nick Saban. That's the game you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. And Nick Saban. They oh. won, Alabama won like 63 to 50 something. It was ridiculous. It was crazy. The whole SEC was crazy. He accused him of. Knowing stealing, the, his, stealing his defensive plays. I've, I've heard of you stealing my offensive plays. Yeah, I've never yeah. heard of stealing defensive plays. Well, I mean, Ole Miss was answering every touchdown. I mean, they were scoring like crazy. So It was like, uh, it was like Sandlot football. It was oh, like oh, two-hand oh. touch football. All-time yeah. quarterbacks and everything else. Yeah. yeah, so what were you going to say? Some trivia? Really quick, Najee Harris, who had five touchdowns. For Alabama, I don't know if you saw that five yeah, rushing five touchdowns. touchdowns. That's the third time that an Alabama running back has done that. I'll give you the other two. Santonio Beard and another guy did it for Alabama in 1998. He had five touchdowns and then played for the Seahawks for oh, a little come while. come on. There you come go. Come on now. Shawnee Alexander. Come on now. Gap tooth Sean. Right here. Yeah, and people for some reason can't stand Sean. They think oh. he's the biggest wimp of all time. There's a lot of people that don't like Sean Elliott. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah. He was NFL MVP. He right. was an NFL MVP. Quick story about Phil Collins. This is this is pretty crazy. I don't know if you're... The but, Phil Collins? Yes, not to be confused with Phil Collin from Def Leppard, but you're not really I don't know who guy. that is. So Phil Collins is booting his ex-wife out of her house because he says he owns it, and he's tired of her BS. Like, okay. Is this Sue, 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 do you? Sure is that. Okay. Okay. He's got a million hits. I was okay. looking at it. Okay. So his marriage with Oriane Save is officially over. After all, she, re- she remarried somebody in August and he wants her out of the house. He gave her $46 million and she says, I'm not leaving the house till we renegotiate our 2008 divorce. Now, this is where it gets crazy. They got married in the late 90s. They had two kids together, but they filed for divorce in 06. After the $46 million settlement, she got remarried to a guy but divorced him to go back to Phil Collins in 2016. <laughs> so things seemed to be okay yes. until she secretly got married again to a man named Thomas Bates in Vegas. She lied to Phil and said, I'm going to Vegas for business. Behind his back, married another guy. Yeah, so now this thing's a complete mess. Um, Phil was quoted as saying, you can wipe off that grin. I know where you've been. It's all been a pack of lies. Come on, you have to know that song. In the air tonight. In the in there the you air, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the air tonight. Yeah. Okay, I got so it. So we'll see how this it. goes. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. You're distracted. Go ahead. No, I'm not distracted. No, oh. you're up. Ryan Leaf update. Remember he got arrested? Oh, yes, he did. Domestic abuse, some sort of a domestic abuse incident in Palm Springs. Yes. We were supposed to have him on the show that week. Yeah. Yeah. His uh, attorney said that his latest arrest was not substance related. So Ryan wanted to make sure everyone knows that. He's 100% totally sober, spends a good part of his day helping people and all that, and um, it was a minor dispute. Nobody was injured. No allegations of any kind of weapon or anything yeah. like that. So, yeah. yeah, he was booked on a domestic battery charge on May 22nd. It was hit with two misdemeanor charges, but he's hoping he can just move on from. Do this. you have? Uh, do you do you watch the NFL Network or do you not watch the NFL Network? Yeah. Do you know who Ian Rappaport is? Sure. Okay. Do you know that he was suspended? No. Yeah. Dory was not the only one suspended this week. Uh, wow. Uh, Ian Rappaport said it was a clean shave, but he got nicked. Uh, Rappaport, NFL Network's insider extraordinaire, has been suspended because of an ad he posted on social media. An ad. An ad. 
for a product used to shave your groin area. Yeah. What do you mean? You're shaking your head and yeah. I use it? I've I've seen those ads, and I I have to skip them. Uh, Five seconds. Why does he do that? Uh, uh, Rappaport announced his suspension on Twitter late on Friday. He said it will extend until October the 22nd in the tweet. He said he posted something without clearance from the NFL Network. He did not say what it was. The something, according to sources, was an advertisement for the Manscaped Lawn Mower Electric Trimmer. Yeah, those are all over YouTube. Really? The, the ads, yeah. I don't know anything so about that. He, so he's, he's hawking the those. The trim job will keep Rappaport <laughs> off the air until late October. Is he not allowed to, to like, hawk things or to I don't know. be a spokesperson? Or I, is I guess he is, but he has to clear the product through his his employer, probably contractually. Uh, okay. And his employee might might uh. not have said yes to the to the trimmer down there. Would they have said yes to a trimmer on the, for the head? Maybe. For Clippers? I, I mean, what, I don't know. What, 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 you're asking me? What do I work I, for the NFL Network? I, I don't feel know. sorry for I'm him. just telling you. Somebody wants I'm a just pan, telling you. you know? I thought that that would take you to the Dory Monson deal. Well, Are oh. you going to discuss the Dory Monson deal or not? Quick update on Delonte West. Mark Cuban oh, yes. said he's doing a lot better. I saw a picture of him on a horse. It's amazing how when you get clean and sober, you just look differently all of a sudden. You just yeah. look better. Yeah. You Did know, you see just... that picture of him on a horse? Yeah, apparently horseback riding. On a horsey? Yeah. Here's everything. So I don't know. Delonte West is doing a lot better. He entered okay. a treatment facility with the help of his mother and Mark Cuban last week. And okay. The billionaire says the process is just getting started but is going well. Okay. Dory Monson. This made ESPN, by the way. I don't know if you saw. ESPN no. tweeted it out. No. Yeah, he was suspended. This is, I don't know. Do you really want to talk about this? People are, I got tweeted so much about this story on Friday. Well, I don't, you know, I don't care to talk about it or not talk about it. I just bring it up because you have brought up on more than probably two shows, probably three different shows. Maybe. You don't maybe me. Three, I don't know. Maybe four. Okay. Don't maybe me. (laughs) Yeah. You have brought up on a number of occasions that things that he says or does on his show, which I don't listen to. I know Dory a little bit. He's always been very friendly and very kind to me. Same. Nothing, no ill will towards him at all. Same with me. You have said on at least six or seven other previous shows that uh, <laughs> yeah, my dream came that, true. That Dory has said some God. things on his radio that there's a conflict because he's outspoken. He's very political on his radio show, and he says some very, some very antagonist, uh, antagonist. Antagonistic? Antagonist. Thank you, Eastgate State. Yes. Antagonistic things on his radio show, and it fights with his role as pregame, halftime, and postgame show for the Seahawks. It didn't appear. And then I saw uh, the other day that he was suspended for something that he tweeted during the governor, the, the gubernatorial. The gubernatorial. Yeah. I should have gone to Syracuse for God's sakes. <laughs> I can't speak. It's late Sunday it late, night, I for know. God's sakes. You're a morning guy. Oh, my God. So he was suspended. I'm in- tired. Yeah. I was in the ER with my wife. Yeah, it's been a rough weekend. Yeah. He was suspended indefinitely by Bonneville, Seattle, for host- from hosting the Seahawks pregame. Because he made post-game. a transphobic tweet. Yes. So on Wednesday during the gubernatorial debate between Inslee and his challenger, Monson said. And, Mo- and Monson is a. A proponent of the challenger, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's an arch-Republican. For sure. Okay. I, I think he's said for years he's a libertarian. Okay. But this didn't sound libertarian to me. No. Libertarian's kind of... He's not an Inslee fan. Let's just leave it at he's that. He's not an Inslee fan. Not an Inslee fan. Correct. Okay. So he's, Which is fine, by the way. Of course, yeah. He's There's fine no to say what he wants on say, his radio show, rule? too. Is he? Is he fine to say what he wants on his radio show? He's is he fine to tweet? Years. Is he fine to tweet what he wants? Apparently not. Apparently. Well, if you want to work for the Seahawks, you're not. If you want to work for his radio station, you're not. He was suspended from both. What are yeah, you looking at me like? He that? was, but I, 
I think he was suspended from both. He was suspended I, from Bonneville and the Seahawks. I don't think he'll be back on the Seahawks. I'm just guessing, but I think he'll be. I think he'll have his show again. I don't think he'll be. You don't think he'll, give, he'll be given another shot at the Seahawks after all these years? One <sighs> objectionable tweet. You don't think he'll give? They'll give him another shot? I know how many people have tweeted at the Seahawks about getting Dory off even before the season started. I see them all the time. So I'm guessing, and I, I don't know this to be true, they probably just said, if he does one thing that's a little questionable, he's out. Instead of just letting him go for no reason. So maybe they were, I don't know, looking for a reason to get rid of I don't think he'll be back on the Seahawks broadcast. I just don't. I don't know. I don't know anything, but that's just my opinion. But do you want to hear the tweet? I mean, you probably know by now. Know, Everyone I probably don't, knows. I don't need to hear the tweet. I, heard, I know the tweet. Well, for those that don't know, he yeah. said, Inslee, we follow science in Washington, the state where I could go to Olympia tomorrow and change my birth certificate to say I was a girl on 10 his birthday. And then in caps, he writes, ha, 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 yeah. ha. Yeah. Yeah. And that was in response to Inslee's remark that we do things by science Correct. here in the state. That's right. Got it. He was just trying to point out that not everything is, but yeah. that's his opinion that yeah. that people's psychology which about how they feel. Which was offensive to many. May or may not be science. Which yes. was offensive to many. That's right. And and there's many who say that it wasn't offensive. I mean, of course. I'm seeing of course. both sides. Of course. Yeah. But does that does that matter? Whether it's offensive or not? No, does it matter that many were not offended? Offended. Offended. I can't speak. I'm it, sorry. It, I mean, does, does it matter? In what regard? The though, only I mean, thing that really matters is were there, were there, what, was there a section of people, was there an audience that was offended? Really? Well, clearly. Yeah. Yeah, there was. And if that's the case, that's really the only thing that matters. The fact that wh- whether it's 10% or 5% or 1% or 100 does it really matter how many people were offended? He offended a group of people. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I, I pulled up something from the Seahawks website in case people are curious, but yeah. the Seahawks say we're guided by overall principles of acceptance and understanding that help us create a culture yeah. of respect, equality and inclusiveness, both on and off the field. Doesn't feel like that's lining up with some of the stuff that Dory says in tweets. So if people are wondering again, I, I don't know. I don't know. Do if you know the name back. Craig Carton? No. Boomer and Carton, the morning show on WFAN in New York. You've not heard the story of Craig Carton. I went to college with Craig Carton at Syracuse. He's two years younger than me. Is Boomer Boomer Esiason? Boomer is Boomer Esiason. Okay. You no. don't know the story of Craig Carton? No, no. Tell me. Craig Carton and Boomer formed this morning show that was apparently number one in New York oh. and one of the top morning shows on a sports radio station in the nation. I happen to think that there was one in Seattle that was better. Okay. But, what, but, but what do I know? Fair enough. Um, but he's uh, he's a guy that I've known for a, a long, long time. Not friendly with him, but have known him for a long, long time. Got himself into trouble, addiction, gambling, gambling addiction, oh, fraudulent behavior. Sounds familiar now, yeah. yeah. Found guilty, FBI arrests, ends up in jail, just got out of jail. There's an HBO documentary that debuted last week called Wild Card. Wild Card. Watch it. Okay. You'll be interested in it. Okay. You'll be... You'll be more interested in it than just about anybody. Just because of the whole radio, it, it goes through his radio yeah. career, it goes through what happened, it goes through the addiction, it goes through the gambling, it oh. goes through Boomer's Life. Just, just watch it, and we'll talk about it on 112P. You said it's on HBO. It's, uh, it's an HBO docu- sports okay. documentary called Wild Card. The yeah. Craig Carton story. Was that like 2018 when this all happened? Yeah, or? he just got out of jail. Yeah. He was in jail for like, I don't know, a year or nine or ten months, something like that. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I totally remember hearing about that. It yeah. sounds familiar yeah. now. Yeah. All right, we lost another legendary pitcher. I don't know if you saw this or not. Whitey Ford. Oh, I did see this. They made a joke on Saturday Night Live about him. On Weekend Update? Yeah, the, yeah. Oh, you got to watch it. I missed it. It's catching on. <laughs> he, he was widely regarded as the greatest Yankee starting pitcher of all time, so that that's not nothing, right? I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. He died at 91. 
Uh, he were told he passed away Thursday at his home in New York. He spent his you entire... You said he totally passed away? No, we were told that totally he passed told. away. Yeah. He spent his entire 16-year yeah. career as a Yankee, six-time World Series champion, ten-time All-Star. He was uh, one of the best lefties You want to know what my play. reaction was? It's a terrible one, but I'll give you my honest reaction when I heard that Whitey Ford had died. Sure. This is true. When I read last week, I think it was Friday or Thursday, that Whitey Ford had died, I could not believe that Whitey Ford was still alive. Yeah. I, I had <laughs> no idea. I thought Whitey Ford... Had you asked me... Yeah. When did these people die? And then you just listed a whole bunch of people and you had me try to project or try to remember a year that try to pin the year. Had you said Whitey Ford in that you like put a whole bunch of people who were dead and yeah. then threw Whitey Ford in there? Yeah. I would have said like mm, 93. I, I would have said he's been dead for 20 for 30 <laughs> right. years. Yeah. yeah, we used to play that, that game on the air. Like people who are alive. I people could who not dead. believe yeah. he's still alive. Yeah. I could not believe he was still alive. Yeah, no, he actually, he was kind of a cool story. He, he made his MLB debut in 50, but then he took time away to serve in the Korean War from 1951 to 52, and then yeah. came back to the Yankees yeah. and continued to kick ass. So he's, he's a tough old guy, man. That's, that's a pretty cool story. So rest in peace to Whitey Ford. All right, you got anything else? Um, just reminders, Beat the Boys, presented by the Fireside Home Solutions. Your, your code word is? Buy. Yes, B-Y-E. B-Y-E. Not case sensitive. The Seahawks are 5-0. and uh, We've got a lot of stuff coming on on the Patreon site this week. A lot of uh, a lot of shows. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Get your Seahawks gear for 50% off, including your Seahawks hat that you uh, – what, what do they do? They added – what did I tell you? They added 25 hats, 25 Seahawks hats mm-hmm. were added to the collection for patrons. Yeah. I will be adorning If you know your discount code, you get it for 50% off. Hats that are between nine and now thirteen dollars, as opposed to eighteen and twenty-six. Go ahead, you get the you get the floor. You got uh, something else? You see, Aaron Judge's girlfriend got arrested for a DUI. No. Yeah, and she uh, pulled out the whole "Do you know who my boyfriend is?" Oh, she move. did. Yeah, it's all caught on camera. Oh. Yeah. The problem was she was not in New York, where that may have worked. She was in Scottsdale, Arizona. And they didn't care at all who her boyfriend was. <laughs> so she did eventually get arrested. But she did. Uh, this is this is going to be really bad. My boyfriend is is not in a spot where I should be like having this happen to me. She was nervous about what his reaction was going to be. You know, if we're going to be together. Was that the you know who I am? You know who he is? Was that or did she, did she actually say, do you know who my boyfriend is? She said, she... quote, do you know who my boyfriend is okay. before that? Yeah. yeah. Pulling that move. Yeah. yeah. The cops didn't seem to care. I'm wondering, does that ever work anymore? I mean, everyone's got the cameras on. I mean, you're never getting out of it, right? You're just, especially considering what she blew. It was really a high, it was a high level of alcohol in her blood. So there, she's. What was the number? Uh, 0.08 is the legal limit. Yeah, I always, I always, I always been told that 0.08 is the it legal is. limit. Because I don't even know what that is. Hardly. Oh, really? Your blood alcohol level. 0.08 is the legal limit. It is. And the people that are really, really way above it, they're like 0.24, 0.25. They're like three times the yeah. legal limit. She was like twice, I think. Okay. 0.14. Oh, okay. But they're not letting her go for that. Okay. Yeah. By the way, side, side note, I'm driving home from a Seahawks game one night. It's late. It was a, a night game. And I see a guy. I shouldn't. I mean, it's not funny. He's But he's walking the line for the police. Yeah. And he's got a Seahawks jersey on. Oh. And I'm not kidding you. His number on his jersey was .08 on the back. Stop I it. I swear on you're, you're everything. Lying. That's it. If that person's that's out there it. who no, has that you're jersey, lying. you got to prove to Mitch that it was real. That's, a, that's, so, that's such a bullshit story. <laughs> you think you so? are so lying. <laughs> if you're out there, .08, no, come on. hit me on Twitter. .08 isn't a patron. All right. <laughs> well, he doesn't have to be, does he? Maybe he got it for half price off the, uh, off the Seattle Shirt Company. All right, last one. A Louisiana man... 
<laughs> Reverend Travis Clark, pastor of Saints Peter and Paul since 2019, was arrested on obscenity charges. Oh, no. A passer A reverend by, or a pastor? Pastor, yeah. A pastor was... Of a oh, church, what yeah. did he do? A passerby saw the lights were on in the church late at night, went to the window to have a look-see and got more than they bargained for. Peering inside, the onlooker saw the small parish's pastor half-naked having relations with two women on the altar. According to court documents, the woman... The women were dressed in corsets and high-heeled boots. There were toys and stage lighting. It was a whole production. There was a mobile phone on a, and a separate camera, both mounted on tripods, recording everything. So the arch, she called the police, and they came and arrested him. And the archdiocese announced it had suspended Clark from ministry the day after he was arrested. Now listen to this. The women, Melissa Chang of Alpharetta, Georgia, and Mindy Dixon of Kent, Washington. What? You're lying. <laughs> Posted bonds of $7,500 record show. Oh, my show. God. Yep. Really? The, the state of Washington sticking their nose in every so once no, in a while. So, wait a second. These are the women that were with? Yes. The with women, the pastor? With the pastor, yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. And what, what law did they break? Obscenity. Because you could see it from the street. You could see, see the altar from the street. I see. Yeah. And if there were if there were frosted windows? Correct. That's right. Frosted windows. It would, it would no- Stained glass, maybe even? Yeah, it would have worked. Or if that woman would, or man, or whoever walked over to the window and peered in, just mind your business, you know. There it is. Yeah, just a bad break. <laughs> just a tough break for old, old Pastor Travis Clark. I mean, he was actually quoted as saying, "I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling neighbors." I'm still in shock that someone had the audacity to sully the good name of Kent Washington. They don't have a good name. What Not ex- wrong with Kent Washington? Not exactly what the church had in mind. I was when- in Kent Washington this weekend. All right, well, you can love it. There's nothing wrong with Kent Washington. Do you live there? No, but I wouldn't, mind, I wouldn't mind oh. living in Kent Washington. I went to see garage doors in Kent Washington. Wait, there you go. Like real garage doors? Like real garage doors. Or is doors. that a band that you went to go see? <laughs> that you went no. to look at garage doors? I went to look at garage doors in Kent Washington this weekend. Good for you. I kid you not. All right, hope you had fun. Nothing wrong with Kent. We've played lots of basketball in Kent, right. lots of tournaments in Kent. Right. Nothing wrong. You're running I take, for mayor? I take great, yes, I am. Okay. I take great God. exception to the shots at Kent. Not exactly what the low church, blows. Not exactly what the church had in mind when putting St. Peter in the title of their church. You're too quick with the snip. Oh, I gotta wait gotta a beat. Be, okay. Wait a minute. Next time they have communion at that church, you may want to pass on the wafer and the wine. And finally, when asked for a comment by the state of Florida, they replied, (laughs) That's Tuesday. They replied, Shit, why didn't we think of that? There it is. I'm done. I'm going home. Seahawks are 5-0. Yes, they are. Go Seahawks. Yep. Episode 112. Episode 112P will be available on Thursday. And there'll be fantasy footballs. And there'll be Seahawks note tables and all kinds of good stuff. All right? All right. Episode 112 is in the books.